On this episode, we discuss Artemis Fowl. The movie that dares to raise the question, why is this movie named after an entirely nondescript personality-less cipher who spends the entire movie inside his own house? Hey everyone, welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey Dan, it's me, Stuart Wellington. Oh, hi. <laughs> guys, guys, what a coincidence. I'm Elliot Kalin and I'm here. All three hosts of the Flophouse. We're here, together, on the Flophouse. Uh-huh. But we're not alone, are we, Dan? Uh-uh. Uh, no, we're not. Uh, we are joined by our guest, Scott Weinberg, whom I did not write down how he wanted to be introduced. <gasps> oh, boy. You were doing times. it. He said it twice, Dan. I'll say it. <laughs> Film critic, filmmaker, podcaster, cat lover, horror nerd, Scott Weinberg, and I will add in a personal personal endorsement of his podcast, Science versus Fiction, uh, in which they talk about the real-life science or fake life science and quality of your favorite science fiction films. Scott Weinberg, thank you so much for joining us. I am thrilled to be here, long-time listener, first-time caller, although I did get a mention several years ago uh, when Stuart recommended a film I produced. Uh, I had downloaded like 14 episodes and listened to them on an airplane, and one random episode at the end when Stuart recommended Found Footage 3D, Mm-hmm. I got chills. I was so elated and thrilled, and that is why Stuart is my favorite of the three floppers. Oh, we <laughs> finally get the big reveal, because I, uh, I guess, prom- because I'm the best at promoting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, That's uh, your hidden strength. It was, a, and you guys also took a recommendation from me several years ago. I can't remember what it was, but I, I recommended an 80s film, and you guys did it. Uh, so I've always been I've always been a huge fan, and to be on an episode on such a wonderfully rotten movie uh, makes me ha- makes me <laughs> makes me happy because boy, this movie is a stink pile. Oh, but yeah. let's not jump ahead to final oh, judgment. Sorry, yes, sorry, cut that. No, but it is. It's totally no. It's, it's, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's a stink pile, but you know, well, yeah. whatever. This isn't the first let's... time that we're gonna say it lives up to its name, foul. Oh mm-hmm. shit! Oh, did I do that? Well, why is he called foul? <laughs> I thought that was like a play on he was. Like, it was a, like Valiant. It was an animated chicken or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, we will return to the stinkiness of this pile uh, <laughs> in, a, in a moment. But uh, we just wanted to take a brief moment here at the top of the show to mention that um, this is the start of Max Fun Drive 2020. It's been um, quite sensibly uh, delayed a couple of times due to world events. But um, since. Well, what's going on, Dan? Yeah, there's something <laughs> happening. Well, uh, ooh boy! Uh, I'll explain after the show. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks for derailing my train of thought immediately at the beginning. Uh, it was delayed, <laughs> but since unfortunately the world does not seem to be getting better uh, <laughs> at any particular pace, uh, here we bring you Max Fun Drive. Uh, let's listen to me. <laughs> Maximum Fun is artist-owned, audience-supported. That means that when you become uh, a, a member of Maximum Fun, you are a direct contributor to the shows that are made, including our shows. Um, it, you, you have some ownership of the show, uh, although don't start telling us you don't what know to that. do. You're not our real dad. 
Um, mm. But <laughs> good, good way to get yeah. Open their heartstrings <laughs> and then cut them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Uh, yeah, love the hostility. Unnecessary, brand. uncalled for, <laughs> undeniable. Mm, delicious. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's important. I mean, like I would, I would it, say, it, Dan isn't going to be their private dancer. <laughs> Wait, no, wait like, I'm waiting for them to stop laughing, Dan. That was a really great joke. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, no, but the money that uh, you donate to Maximum Fun, especially because you get to choose the shows you listen to, goes uh, directly to the show uh, with some overhead to uh, allow the network to actually continue. And uh, um, especially in this year where uh, we have um, added uh, off-week shows, off-week content, um, it is nice to have uh, that money coming in that you know really helps us uh, do new things like that. So um, you can choose a monthly amount that's comfortable for you. Uh, most people give five or ten dollars a month. Some upgrade to uh, twenty, thirty-five, a hundred if they have the means. I know that a lot of people do not right now, but it is uh, about what works for you. But we'll get back to that. Later in the show, and Dan, where, where do can... they where do they go if they want to join and become uh, yes. either a member, upgrade their uh, their already existing membership? Yes, would it be maximumfund.org/join? It will be. It would be that. It is that. In fact, <laughs> to use that tense, it is maximumfund.org/join. But let's uh, get to what we actually do here, which is uh, watch a bad movie and then talk about it. In this case, the movie is Artemis Fowl, which uh, was meant to be a big uh, blockbuster film released in theaters, but uh-huh. then the pandemic hit, and now it's on Disney+. And it's it's based on a, a series of novels, right? And it was your uh, familiarity with those novels that made you request we do this movie, <laughs> right, Scott? I, Man, there, there, there's, it's so weird to see when a, um, like when a, a trend ends. And boy, when it ends, it hits like... like it, I thought like the end of the um, Divergent series just kind of fell off the train, and then you uh-huh. have these like <laughs> these lingerers. They're, they're like, well, we we still have a young adult movie still percolating for 19 years, and they've invested so much money in it. You have to release it in some way. This thing doesn't even look finished. I mean, I'm just going to be Joe Film Critic here. This thing looks like uh-huh. it looks like one of 12 different cuts, and they just said, all right, we'll release this one. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's it's. Uh, I mean, it's like the sort of thing when you know. I'm into I'm into <laughs> YA fiction, so of course I hear about these scorch trials. I want to find out what's the whole deal there. <laughs> I'm into maze running. Now, now Artemis Fowl is a YA series. It's based on a series about a criminal mastermind kid. You heard me right. He's a kid, but he's not a hero. He's a villain. Uh-huh. That's right. Yep. He's the bad boy of YA fantasy fiction. Uh-huh. He's Artemis Fowl. And I. I want to say, like, that appears to be, in the limited research I've done, kind of the interesting thing about those books is that he is introduced as this criminal and then sort of over time you <laughs> sort of understand different things about, like, who might be right, who might be wrong in this story. Who might be crazy? Yeah, but in <laughs> this thing... Who might just thing, be a they, lunatic you're looking for? <laughs> but in this movie, they do not identify him as, like, some sort of child criminal at the beginning. He just seems like kind of a dick at the beginning, and he never gets... All that much less dickish. Well, they also keep calling him a, a child genius, and he never really does anything that particularly mm. genius. He claims to be smart a lot. He does yeah. a lot. Yeah, that, that's, there's, there's a lot of hype. He claims to be intelligent. There's a lot of hype yeah. of the character going on that is not backed up. By what, and then at the end he goes, I'm a criminal mastermind. And I'm like, how? 
What did yeah. you do? Like, what crime? You've done nothing. You, yeah. This is, I'm just going to say, I was, and Stuart, you're doing the, the summary on this one, so I won't. I am? Uh-oh. But I, this is one of those movies oh, where the whole time too. I was like, I was, I was like, why is this movie called Artemis Fowl? Like, why? I don't understand why he's the character you named it after, since mm-hmm. he's kind of barely in the movie. And yep. I'll just warn. It should be called Baby Hagrid. It should be called it Baby Hagrid, as played called... by Josh Gad. Now, now that we bring up Hagrid, I think it's an important time for us to do our weekly mention that J.K. Rowling is trash, as are all transphobes. They are trash. Okay, let's go back to the show. <laughs> do we do we really go, say that every week? Uh, yeah, I mean, anytime new... we have to, anytime we invoke her name. Yeah. I mean, did we? Yeah, I mean, we talked about her creation, Hagrid. I guess that's oh, the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Wow, the, I mean, LA, we all, you, seem, you seem weirdly defensive right now. <laughs> It's, hey, guys, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, no, I'm not even going to joke about that. No, yeah, no, no. please don't. Yeah, trans rights forever. Come on. Okay, but. Uh, I, I just wanted to say, when, when, we, when I watched this film for the second time, and Wolf. I know you guys, I know, I've heard many, many episodes, uh, a.k.a. all of them, um, and I know that you guys, uh, when you, I know when you see a bad film, you, you know, you'll, you'll tear it to shreds. I'm watching this movie for the second time, and I'm sitting there thinking, who the hell is going to break down the plot of this one? Because it's impossible. Stuart, um, please do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will do everything in my power. So, uh, yeah, the movie opens seaside. We're at Fowl Manor, Ireland. That's right. It's spelled like the bird, not like the, I don't know, the state of being or the judgment. <laughs> the ball. The, yep. Uh... Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, the play. Uh huh. You got some more. Uh huh. There's no foul intentions. That's cruel intentions. I mean, you could have foul <laughs> intentions. Teen remake of Les Les Dangereux. Okay, it's not, it's not, not foul, foul things. Foul it's either. wild things. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not the incredibly true story of the Texas cheerleader fouling mom. It was Texas cheerleader murdering mom. Um, let's see. It's not a. Hold on. It's not the foul pit. It's the money pit. Uh, yeah, it's it's not the cook, the thief, his wife, and her foul. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I think we're out of phrases. Yeah. <laughs> Although Foul uh, Foul Manor does sound like like a caveman death metal band or uh, you know a slam band. Okay, so yeah, outside of Foul cool. Manor, uh, the news has gathered and they're flipping out. There's apparently been a uh, series of high profile robberies and a mysterious person named Artemis Fowl is the suspect. And they uh, snatch up uh, a uh, Josh Gad, who, as we have described earlier, looks like a short, dirtier Hagrid. Uh, and they take him off to a special water prison, like the one you might see in Face Off or the Avengers or Mortal Engines or mm-hmm. uh, anything else, guys. Can you think of anything else? Water prisons. Uh, what? Convergence. Yep. Convergence. Uh, yep. Who? Convergence. Uh, who Waterworld's the... Prison. That's the second Waterworld movie that never got made. Mm-hmm. Waterworld Prison. Yeah. One of the many things I was unclear about, and maybe you guys can help me, is probably who not was in, who was interrogating Josh Gad. Like, what was this organization? Now, now let's let's address Josh Gad isn't called Josh Gad in this movie. He is called <laughs> uh-huh. his character's named Mulch Diggums <laughs> because okay. he's he's in he's he's of the lineage of the Diggums frog yep. from, from the cereal commercials. I mean, later in the movie, we will see how apt that name is. It's that so it's that lazy lazy writing of. He later turns out that one of his skills is digging, so his name has to be what? Mm-hmm. Mulch Shovelhead. Like, <laughs> why? 
Why? Because everyone's named after their job. My family, Kales, we have for generations. Stuart's family digs wells. Dan's uh-huh. family is very coy. And uh, Scott's here, of course, is, uh, I guess that would be what? Uh, what, a White Mountain? Or is that Weisberg? I, hmm. That would be Weisberg. Uh, Weinberg is actually, it's a vineyard in German. Yeah, that oh, makes okay. sense. Yeah. yeah. So my family's a bunch of drunks. And you, <laughs> and you're a vintner. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. uh, so yeah. Mulch Diggums, I think he's being interrogated by, like, Interpol or the British... Yeah. Secret intelligence, MI6, who knows? It doesn't matter. Whoever Dan, it's the least no, of the Dan questions. Nailed, Dan nailed a key problem is this movie doesn't have any point of view. You don't know who's talking to who. It's somebody explaining six random adventures, <laughs> yeah. and then the movie ends. Yeah. I mean, not, well, that's not, the thing. Like, I texted Elliot during it. I'm like, never, never has a movie tried so hard to explain itself to me while I still don't know what's happening. Because all Jashcat does mm-hmm. is, is like paper over what the plot is supposed to be, and I still mm-hmm. don't know. This I is mean, a movie, not to get ahead too far, where the bad guy, whose identity we never learn, breaks someone out of, releases someone from jail, and they are instantly the most powerful person in the entire community, and we never find out who they work for or why they were in jail or what, or I don't know. There's no, it's, nope. it's anyway, Stuart, but we are not in there yet. Mulch Diggums is being interrogated by someone uh, who's not even in the same room with him. Yeah, you don't somebody, get to see the interrogator. Yeah, he's just like staring into a box where, uh, and he it, he talks about a mysterious artifact called the Aculus, not Oculus. That would be an evil what mirror? Is that the movie? Yeah, is the yeah. evil mirror movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he decides, and not Porculus. That would be some kind of super powered pig. Uh huh. <laughs> Maybe like uh, a pig. Porculus too. The next day, <laughs> which is a <laughs> terrible sequel oh. to a terrible movie. Uh huh. Uh, All right, Porculus Revenge. (laughs) I had to do it. So wait, is Porculus the name of the heroes of the movie, or is it the villain? Does Porculus actually show up? That's a good question. In the first one, they're searching for Porculus, and he finally shows up at the very end. The second one, they think he's going to be a hero, but he's actually a bad guy. And then in the third one, he turns out to be the good guy, ultimately. Now... Uh, we've been just burning. Th- also played by Josh. Yeah, yeah, also, been- yeah, of course. And, he, and in the fourth one, he fights. What's that? It's that Emerson, Lake and Palmer album. What is it? Tarkus or something like that? What? Carnival? No, no, the one after Carnival. It's like. Oh, I uh, don't know. Hold That's on, the one have, I know. I'm gonna have to look it up. Hold on. It's the one where it's some kind uh, of like. So, uh, um, it's some kind of like armadillo tank. Yeah, let me look it up. Yeah, we should probably pause the podcast and let Elliot look something up. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, so we've been Tarkus. blasting through Yeah, it's this. called Tarkus. Anyway, it's, Tarkus Stuart, is... Stuart, I coined a term for you that you might like. It's called Gad's Position. Yeah, so we're getting some Gad's Position. We're flying through this plot. Time for Stuart to pump the brakes a little bit and point out that this movie is directed by Kenneth Branagh. You might know him from Woody Allen's Celebrity. <laughs> That's probably where you know him from. <laughs> so Josh Gad decides to tell... Wait, I said I fucked it up again, guys. Mulch Diggums decides to tell us a magical story about a, a surprising little boy. And the whole time he's doing it, in addition to looking like a uh, shorter, dirtier Hagrid, he is doing it with a serious Batman voice, okay? And that's yeah. not the only Batman voice we get in this movie, uh, so oh. get excited. So we learn yeah, a little I, bit about there's a, there's a lot Ireland. of gruffness. There's a lot of gruff voices in this for no yeah. reason. Um, yeah, the, half, of the Gads, uh, half of the Gad's position in this movie feels like it was shot at the le- like at, in the 12th in a series of reshoots. At as the it, Gad's like, minute? The, mm-hmm. the Gad's position feels like it was shot 
a week before the movie came out. That's how yeah. lazy it feels. Like, we're just glue this all together. Get him back in here oh. and glue these scenes together with exposition and, and narration. It's Yeah. Horrific. I wanted to say something about how tremendously lazy the opening is because it really sounds like someone fed a bunch of fantasy movies into an AI and they're like, okay, opening uh, uh, exposition, opening monologue. But the thing that I really wanted to highlight was he goes, he says something like, this is a great story, and it starts like all great stories do, with magic. And then, like, they show him surfing, and uh -huh. then he's, like, at school, and yep. you're like, okay, well, it's just magic you're talking about. I'd guys. even yeah. go back further and say that The Great Gatsby has no magic in it. Exactly. Where peace does not start with magic. All great stories start with magic? I, don't, mm, I would take issue with that. I don't know. Merchant of Venice doesn't have any magic mm, in there's it. There's no magic yeah. in that. <laughs> Uh, the There's great, no magic uh, in the bluest eye. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> sir. Ex sir. Sir. Can I see your manager, sir? I don't remember there being any magic in the, in the novel The Sympathizer. Excuse me, sir. Uh, so, yeah, as, as Dan said, uh, now, now that we're in story mode, uh, he tells us about a magical land called Ireland where we see this little asshole, Artemis, surfing around, <laughs> and it looks way less cool than I think it's intended. Uh, he's like a super smart overachiever, but he's also terrible, and I kind of want to punch him. Well, he's, yeah. he's a real misanthrope, uh, as relayed to us by the school therapist who, and I'll just mention this, the therapist's office includes a glass wall between the therapist's office and yes. the waiting room, so yes. everyone in the waiting room can see who's getting therapy at that moment, which is incredibly unethical. Like, I would yeah. turn around and walk away. That is oh, not yeah. okay. Well, everything and, uh, about his, uh, his, maybe his therapy get a is, yeah, everything else he does in his therapy session is totally above board, though. He's a great therapist. Oh yeah, he just reminds Artemis Fowl of his of his dead mom and absent father, and then brags about an old chair that he has, so that Artemis can show off his genius by telling him the chair is not as old as he thinks it is. That's right, Artemis Fowl's amazing ability to appraise antique chairs. Imagine, imagine young Sheldon, but mean. If if young Sheldon without the people skills, like right, yeah. oh wow, yeah, oh man, what a team uh. up that would be. Do filmmakers not realize that when you make a kid totally unlikable, that 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 lasts for the whole movie? That that like, yeah. you can't come back from that. Well, it's also not about him learning any kind of lesson. And yeah. like, I was like, who's this little shit? Like when I saw it, because like, you know, like this came on the heels. The books came on the heels of of Harry Potter, and they uh -huh. were rightly or wrongly sort of like looked on as this like attempt to jump on that train uh, -huh. uh but interesting like, i didn't know train was what you're gonna say okay yeah but i mean harry potter i thought you would say bandwagon uh yeah harry potter and uh again jk rowling is trash harry potter like the point of that thank you the beginning is like he is this kid who's been through so much hardship and you're on his side immediately whereas this kid is rich and is addicted to everyone. Well, I think, I think comparing himself to, to uh, as uh, comparing himself to Einstein favorably. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, do you respect anybody? He goes, mm, Einstein. But I think so. Here's where I think they get it wrong. So the difference is there are two different types of fantasies. Harry Potter is a fantasy about you're a lonely kid and it turns out you're a powerful wizard and everybody loves you and you got, I don't know, you have you're, sex you're with rich a dragon. And you, yeah, you're rich and you get to become a magic cop at the end. Yeah, and with yeah. Artemis Fowl, it's supposed to be the fantasy of like, I'm the smartest, most badass kid. 
and I'm not a goody goody like Harry Potter. I do what I want. It's basically like he's. It's like the thing that pe- the fantasy people had when they voted for Donald Trump is the fantasy they're supposed to be having with Artemis Fowl of like, isn't it fun to pretend to be a bad guy for a little bit? Yeah. But instead, uh-huh. they took that. They took that character and tried to shove him into a story about a lonely kid who needs to find friends. And it was like, mm, this why <laughs> he's pushed away everybody and he's yeah. he's a jerk. So it's, and as a result, they made a movie as bad as Donald Trump. No, uh, I mean, on. obviously Hold nothing on. is as no, bad as Donald Trump. He's the oh, worst thing in the world right now. Mm, a lot but, of lefty uh, <laughs> politics in this episode. Anyway, so the uh, we also learned that his dad, Colin Farrell, mm-hmm. uh, taught him all about Irish folklore. Now, do they show us him teaching about Irish folklore? Or is this just more Mulch Diggum's talk? Uh, don't, don't they just, like, walk around and look at stuff? And the thing is that previously... <laughs> he shows a lot of old stumps. Now, yeah. But guys, is, was Colin Farrell, is he an attentive dad? Or is he, like, absentee and never there? Well, I mean, when he's there, he's great. You know, that's the thing. You just look forward to the times oh, when he's around. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he has so to, now, he's always leaving. So when you see Colin Farrell's cast as Artemis Sr., you're probably hoping for a killing of a sacred deer situation. <laughs> no such luck. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping it would be a real lobster situation, and their maid would just come in and rub herself on his crotch to force him to make a choice to fall in love. I, I would have been that happy with a little this. just a dash of in Bruges would have pleased me. Oh, yeah. very nice. We, get, we, we didn't get even none get of these things. We didn't even Although, get any Tigerland, guys. <laughs> uh, we didn't even get any Alexander. There's no SWAT. Um, well, kind of. There's a little SWAT. There's um, like a lot the of SWAT. Yeah. There's this a, kid, there's I a, tell you. <laughs> but this is this is a very dour movie. So at this point, we're probably like what ten minutes in, and I was like, "Ooh, magic makes everything depressing." Yep. Wow. But but magic we're about sad. to be dropped knee deep in a digital explosion of fairy creatures and, and fairy tale lore. <laughs> let's enjoy it. Uh huh. So let's uh, let's hit the gas now. He teaches. Uh, so uh, da- Artemis' dad teaches Artemis' son all about Irish magic. And then he leaves on a long, mysterious trip. We're introduced to uh, Artemis's only friend, who is uh, Dom Butler, who is his butler. Uh, but you're not supposed to call him a butler. But he's like, uh, you know, like a big bodyguard type. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Artemis Sr. has disappeared while on this trip. And he finds out uh, from the news that his dad is a suspected uh, master thief. Uh, which I mean, all kids. Uh, I mean, most kids find out all their information on the the news, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Kids Smart love the kids news. Too. They love to leave it on. Oh, no, wait. That's old people. That's old well, people who leave the news on, wait, on their TV dude, all day. You, forgot a you don't weird, want kids learning about... You forgot a weird piece of whimsy back there, Stuart. I didn't get... How... I'm going to forget a lot of pieces. He says, <laughs> don't call him Butler, even though he is the Butler, and his name is Butler. But don't call him Butler. Yeah. That's that's good writing. Yeah, it's he doesn't mul- like multiple it. Multiple levels. It wor- uh, um, and, uh, and we uh, eventually will meet... Uh, well, I guess that hasn't happened yet. We'll meet the butler's, what, niece, who's also brought there, and then she disappears for broad swaths of the movie, even though <laughs> yes. they're all in the same house together. Elliot, Elliot, you know what's great about doing your own podcast is you can kind of jump the fuck around if you want. So, in fact, we'll just get to it. <laughs> We're introduced to uh, who you think is going to be the second lead of the movie, Juliet mm-hmm. Butler, who is a, you know, uh, uh, another 12-year-old who is hyper-functioning. I think she is introduced like fighting uh, like kendo or something in the woods um and she uh is introduced and then as you said disappears does almost nothing except run away from a troll later i think that the where she works might be the only clever bit that i enjoyed and and it might be the only reason the books ever got greenlit she works for an outfit called lep recon so 
Oh, well, that's, that's that's a cute little pun there. If you're like trying to incorporate like old school folklore into modern technology, you let recon. But that's not enough to build a movie and eight books around. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll speaking see. of speaking of her disappearing for white swaths now. Uh, uh, toward the end of the movie, where I uh, wanted to look anywhere but the screen, uh -huh. so I can I can only take Audrey's word for this. Uh, she says that um, this character who disappears uh, was not uh -huh. even there during her uh, relative yeah. uh, uncle. Is it uh, uncle's yeah, well, like death during, scene? During the scene when well we'll get to when when Butler well, when Butler almost he briefly dies, dies. So. he yeah. comes back. But. So so you weren't watching this part. So you had you had tied Audrey to the mast so she could <laughs> mm -hmm. wa watch the movie. Yes. And you would yeah, have I, to she had like those clockwork orange the canary in the coal mine uh -huh. on. <laughs> tell, tell me what happened. Yeah, and I was just like you just Yeah, I was like in the other room. I was like you just shout it to me. You <laughs> I, just tell I, me. Dan, I'm constantly so impressed by your dedication to the podcast. That uh, <laughs> rather than pausing the film, you decided not to break up the experience, and you said, "I'm going to watch it like I was in the theater, uh -huh. and just let it keep rolling while I leave the room." To was it cutting up a mango this time? That was the excuse <laughs> Believe last time. Me. Believe me, if I saw this in the theater, <laughs> I would have uh, abandoned the entire yeah. enterprise. That's you know what? See, that's an interesting point that you just nailed. And this was supposed to be a wide theatrical release, and if this final product had come out mm -hmm. in theaters. People would have been even t rougher on it. Than, I mean, it's it's atrocious. And yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I feel like if this movie had been released in theaters, there would have been a shortage of theater mangoes because so many people would have been leaving the theater <laughs> to go buy theater mangoes. Dan, Dan, you'll be happy to know. You'll be happy to know. I don't remember if we ever talked about this on the podcast, did we? About how you missed what was going on. Oh no, you did, it was in that mini. You missed what was going on because you were busy cutting a mango. And this is now. Uh, whenever I'm complaining about you, Dan, and I'm like, oh, Dan wasn't around for this thing. Sammy's like, oh, did he have to cut another mango? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> So that's his, that's his go-to Dan Slam. Every, okay. every time you complain about me around the house <laughs> yeah. in Sammy's earshot. Thank you, Elliot. Um, well, it's, it's only because only because Sammy always wants to hear about you. I told you about when we were going through our wedding photos, and he was like, where are the Dan pictures? Show me the pictures of Dan. Oh, that's that, no, I mean, you know, Sam, you know that Sammy's my favorite uh, yeah, yeah. child in the world. Oh, that's sweet. I won't tell Gabriel um, Hey. Uh, <laughs> I've had less time to get to know Gabriel. Uh, let's. I, I. I did want to say one thing uh, that bring is brought up by this. Uh, yeah, this was on the mini. This mango story, and this is uh, one of the great things you're missing if you don't listen to the minis. I know that the minis have a like less of a download, and uh, I think there's been some really good ones lately. So that was in the out. that was in the get even get get even mm -hmm. mini, right? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Stuart. This is when, uh -huh. what, does Artemis Jr. find out what happened to Artemis Sr.? That's what we would call a leading question, Elliot. So, uh, yeah. Ar <laughs> uh, so, Artemis is Objection. obviously... Overruled. <laughs> Hearsay. He saw it in a movie. <laughs> so, Overruled. Ar Ar Artemis Jr. is tearing out his hair. He's rending his garments. There is no way that this fake news bullshit would call his father a thief. Um, and around now, he receives a phone call from Opal, Co Opal Cowboy, an evil fairy who is living in a mountain fortress and has his father captured in some kind of crystal trap. Uh, I think that's all correct. Do I, I, this is why um, I was and, glad Stuart got to do the breakdown this episode. And make some kind of, <laughs> make some kind of ransom demand. You got to bring me the Aculus. In yada, three yada, days. Yada, in three, da you got three days. When I was complaining about this movie while watching it, I was, I was saying like, 
This movie is just like people staying in one place. Like you got Artemis at the fucking mansion grounds yeah, all the manner. time, and then you like cut back to like, oh, it's Colin Farrell hanging around. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> oh, it really plays like. I mean, I imagine like if I went over to Elliot's house and he were to show me a a, a photo album of his trip to, let's say, Mexico, and instead of a movie, mm-hmm. he just shows me twelve still photos, and for each photo, he talks for fifteen minutes. That's what this movie feels mm-hmm. like. Yeah. That's kind of... Now, now, here's what I'll say, that maybe they were so prescient, and they were like, you know what? When this movie comes out, people aren't going to be able to leave their homes. So, we'll have Artemis stay at his house. We'll have Opal always stay at her her house. I think her, because it's a woman doing the voice. But we don't know. We never learn anything about Opal. And we'll have Judy Dench, for most of the movie, because Judy Dench goes up, be in her underground fairy world, and we just won't have them interact very much. And yeah. you know what? People will really be able to relate to these characters who go on a wild, magical, yeah. mystical, marvelous adventure without and, leaving their very own home for days. And Judy Dench is mostly looking at screens and interacting with people on screens or things on screens. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, one know. moment there's one moment where you can see her uh, thinking in her mind about how stupid what she's saying is. Well, <laughs> while she's doing she's professional. But she's I mean, she comes out of this the most unscathed, uh, much much like uh, she is one of the best things oh, in Cats. If so. anybody can walk out of this movie unscathed, it's Judy Dench. She made it out of Riddick. She can make it out of this. But she yeah. she looks bored. I don't care if a huge stars are in a bad movie, but give them something to do. She looks mm-hmm. bored. But the, I was I was watching this with my wife. She goes, "How did they get Judy Dench?" And I'm like, "She's British. She'll do anything." Right? <laughs> Lawrence Olivier did, you know, mm-hmm. in his later years, did some some really questionable films as well. Uh, everybody needs to get paid. But if you're gonna have Judy Dench on your set, rewrite something. Give her something like juicy or funny or scary. She's just perfunctory. It's not uh, it's not her fault. But boy, it's it's not. And she's literally riding around on a Segway for a lot of the movie, so she's not <laughs> even walking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we find out that, uh, so Artemis uh, learns the hard way that there's truth to all of these stories about fairy hmm. stuff, and that his father has a secret office, and there's all kinds of secret bullshit in there, and he uses an old, what, like, bedtime poem or something to find mm-hmm. his father's secret hidden journal, uh, and he starts reading that shit, and now, then... I'll mention that a lot of his, a lot of the magical, mystical bullshit is just uh, bottles <laughs> right. with glowing liquids in them. And yeah. We don't yeah. know what it is. It just looks like cloudy milk. He just he just is a hoarder who collects. And we're just waiting milk, for him to like open the mm-hmm. drawer that will take us to the next narration sequence. That's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which which is of course we are introduced to Haven City. That is the underground fairy city, which is like a yeah. mix of Coruscant and like with a big dash of Shadowrun thrown in there. And we're introduced. <laughs> you know, there's like flying buses all over the place, and like it's a little bit like it's a little crappy. It's a little like uh like beat up, a little like cyberpunky. It's um, it's kind of a mix of like a Star Wars prequel and the fifth element and Men in Black and a sharper image store. Like that's yes, what it feels exactly. like. It's yeah. uh <laughs> kind of a beat up dingy B roll of Hellboy Two. Yes. <laughs> and also it, and in a, yeah. I would say that like in a better movie I would find this more interesting. I mean you could say that about basically anything, but like the these fantasy creatures with science fiction technology is a thing that I'm sure is very common in other media but not so much in movies like you don't like you like you don't usually see these high fantasy creatures with this kind of like like they say Star Wars prequel stuff around them but, uh, but 
But because this movie is so bad and confusing otherwise, I just found it sort of like more confusing. Well, it raises raises two questions for me that the movie never answers, which is one, if they have super magic, why are they shooting lasers at each other and wearing space helmets? They have magic. They don't need all this junk. And two... They make a point a lot of times in the movie of saying, we can't let anyone see us. We can't let humanity know that we're down here. We can't let anyone see any fairies up above. And it's like, "Mm, you seem like you have the ability to wipe out humanity. You can control time, and you have lasers and magic. I don't understand why you need to hide. Like, at at best case scenario, we should be trading partners. Worst case scenario, you're our conquerors. (laughs) I I I mean, maybe they just... They could just not like us. <laughs> yes. Children in a backyard do better world building than this movie does. There's no world building. It's here's an <laughs> yes. establishing shot and some narration, but there's no actual world building. Uh-huh. I mean, it could be just like someone like pretending not to answer the doorbell when someone they don't like comes to the door. Maybe this the fairies guy. are just like, ugh. These uh-huh. humans. Humans again. I mean, we do learn that in the world of uh, Haven City, it doesn't matter if you're a prisoner being taken to the worst prison in, in the world or you're a police officer who's reentering the city, you have to go through the same gates. So you wait online yep. with each other. Yeah, so this is when we're introduced to, I guess, our second lead, who is a cop named Holly Short, who is the daughter of a famous trader who originally stole the Aculus. But I guess she's trying to clear her father's name or something. Eh, who cares? So uh, this is where we're reintroduced to Mulch. Mulch is getting sentenced to the worst prison for stealing stuff, I think. Uh, Breaking and tunneling. Or no, tunneling and entering? Something like that. Yep, tunneling and entering. They make a lot of jokes about how he is tall for a dwarf. I guess he's a dwarf. Um, And I don't know. Like, I think he's getting 400 years, which seems uh, excessive. But I don't know. They're... I don't know. The criminal justice system's terrible. Um, so, I mean, also, they live a long time. At one point, Judy Tench says to Holly, you're 84 years old. You're still young. you got your whole life ahead of you. So they live uh, for centuries. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Judy Tench is like 800. Yeah. That raises a really interesting question, guys. In the world where somebody, let's say, where a creature lives to, say, 900, what effect does that have on criminal justice and jurisprudence? You wouldn't sentence someone to five years for embezzlement if they lived yeah. to 900. That's, I guess that's true, yeah. I guess sentences would be longer in a, as we've already established, a terrible system. Well, but, 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 but would they, though? I mean, like, is a sentence, as it stands now, uh, other than a life sentence, which obviously is, is in relation to one's life, although life rarely means life, uh, even a well, life Stan, sentence... Stan, you got political. so philosophical there. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> no, no, but, like, like non-life sentence sentences are those determined as like what percentage they are of someone's sure, expected life lifespan i don't think that that's yeah i think that's what they do dan yeah yeah that's how they do yeah. it. well no i'm arguing against that as a notion they do like, like they I, do like a physical and they're like mm, yeah. okay they're like, let's find out how long you're gonna live let's count your teeth so elliot got really excited he already mentioned judy dench judy dench plays commander root she mm-hmm. is also doing a Batman voice. That's right. We got two <laughs> Batmans. Mm-hmm. And Judy Dench has decided to mentor this young fairy cop, Holly Short. Uh, I think I think in her heart she believes that Holly's father was wrongfully accused. But we'll find out later. Um, uh, and, and, and she says to Holly that all of Fairyland is at risk unless they find the Aculus. This is never explained. Uh-huh. It also bears mentioning at this point that um, uh, along with the tremendous amount of 
negative criticism for Artemis Fowl, there was also minor controversy in that uh, Holly was described as having uh, brown skin in the book, and this is another uh, whitewashing Oh, I would just like situation. to, oh, I, in response to Continue. that, I would just like to also interject that I believe that J.K. Rowling is a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, never a wrong time to say that. Um, so... <laughs> Well, three of you have already said it. I wanted to get mine in. That's all. I'm sorry. Now, yeah. there's, there's a uh, now I, on Wikipedia. If this is true, something they talk about that Saoirse Ronan was attached to this role at one point, which seems uh -huh. like it would have been maybe the the biggest waste of acting talent I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, I find it, you know, and I know I know we're not, but I always feel kind of bad for the actors in a way because you know that the script they got was at least marginally better than this, and guarantee actors that were kind of knocking for not doing much had more to do in the movie but it feels like literally 90 minutes got yeah, cut yeah, from yeah. there's the, the original david mamet draft yeah. yeah the uh so this is around where uh the elliot had mentioned this earlier that uh some person who we have no idea who he is uh gets released out of prison by opal cowboy uh saying something about like i need you to spy for me or something yeah uh whatever We'll get to him later. His, um, his name is Briar Cudgeon. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, you were making that up. <laughs> this is the only worst names that I can... Well, and, and you know what? All fantasy names are kind of silly, but there's... What's the show? It's an Amazon show where it's a murder mystery and they're fantasy creatures. Uh, it's called like Hollyhock Lane yes, or something like uh, that. Yes, Carnival Row. Hemlock? Carnival Row. Yeah, where, oh. where I was reading the review of it and it was like... Detective Inspector Gulliver Mickleboss, and I'm like, all right, forget oh, about it. Has, has to team up with Carnival performer Ivy Galindagall, and I was like, never mind, forget it. I can't, I can't even read the review. See, I start reading that, and I'm like, oh, I like the, I like where this is going. <laughs> Sounds like an adventure. It just by by this point, by this late point, it's just when you see all of the bullet points that are endemic or uh, part of the young adult novel and the young adult adaptation. By this point, you start to get irritated at the cynicism of it. You know, it's not just, hey, Harry Potter was a big hit. We have some good stories, too. By this point, it's just so mercenary how they're, like, aping the formula. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So around <laughs> now, uh, so meanwhile, like, Artemis and Dom are, like, getting into trouble and, like, they hang out with Julia a little bit. Doesn't matter. Uh, I think they start staking out the, uh, what, like the, the, or big, like the biggest tree on their property. I don't know what's going on. Um, so that's, that's a tree where they've been led to believe by his dad's journals that fairies come to sometimes. Oh, okay. This is where the movie completely threw me like a roller coaster I wasn't strapped into. I, I've seen, I watched it twice, and this is where I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching a Peter Gabriel video. I don't know what I'm watching plot wise. Yeah. Wait, is there a plot to the Peter Gabriel videos? Like, does Sledgehammer <laughs> have a plot? No, that's the, they're just avant-garde, hopefully interesting kind of uh, visual coolness. Hope, this is, and, and that's another thing. Except for the establishing shots that they think are all like, here's our stately castle or our cool warren of whole. It's an ugly movie. Kenneth Branagh has made some wonderfully good-looking movies. This movie is ugly. I don't get why it looks like so brown and grungy. Yeah. Well, it's there. I think they're trying to, uh, for so a certain amount of it, is they're stuck in the kind of classic, I think, Gaelic fantasy color palette of greens and browns, 
and they and they add to that the uh, the color that is synonymous with dimensional portals and ultra technology of the movies, glowy blue. And mm-hmm. so there's just a lot of like glowy blue and darkly lit underground scenes and greens and browns. And there's it's it's a movie where you're like, hey, you know what color I like? Red. You know what's another fun color? Yellow. I'd love to see these colors. Pink is a color. Can I uh-huh. see some of those, please? Yeah, let's <laughs> let's drench this in synth wave. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> I mean, I would love now, that. I mean, I mean, how is that not better? How is that no, not I mean, improving? That would have been way better. Uh, let's liquid sky this thing up. Come on, guys. <laughs> so we're introduced to down in Haven City. We're introduced to another cool character. That's right, Foley the Centaur, tech genius. They Best make it, character. They, they do that uh, clever thing a script does where they make a point of saying, don't ask to ride him. So you're like, oh, fuck, somebody's going to ask to ride this guy at the end of the movie. Like, that's the only way they're going to stop it. But, you know, you got to assume that that's rule number one is you would never ask a centaur if you could ride them. <laughs> so you're saying that the movie made the subtext text and you're unhappy about it. Oh, it just seems so obvious to me. <laughs> also, I do like that they took the Irish name Foley and they spell it. F O A L like a foal, like oh, a baby horse. Because he's half horse foley. Wow. Shit. Elliot, movie gets points. I like this movie more now that you just. Got, I mean, <laughs> I'm just a saying bit. the movie's having a little fun. Or, or, or the creator of Artemis Fowl, if there's yeah. a character from the book, is having some fun. So I still Holly- go back to. I still insist that Lep Recon is is slightly clever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Holly Short is given a mission because all the other fairy cops are dealing with some bullshit. So, of course, she has to ride some lava to the surface. Uh, she goes to a wedding where a troll has showed up, and she <laughs> gets in a she, fight with a troll. Wait, let me finish, that troll Elliot. wasn't even this invited. Is, now, yeah, now this she goes to the wedding simple. to catch the troll. Just to make it clear, that there's a uh, even though in my notes I wrote, uh, sent to the surface in a lava rock to find dot, 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 someone, question mark, who escaped, question mark. Mm-hmm. It turns out there's a troll on the loose. She goes to an Italian wedding where the troll is there, I assume because the troll heard about their amazing soup. Because yep. is there a better soup than Italian wedding soup? Maybe, but I haven't tasted yeah. it. <laughs> so, yeah, so nope. she shows up uh, to, to capture this troll. Then they freeze everything and just take the troll away. Like, why do they send her to... Yeah. And then they men in black all the humans. That was, yeah. the, part that, that was the part I found the most... The most the most insulting was when they sent fairies to put flash bulbs in people's eyes to make them forget and I was like do you think I didn't see men in black like there were three of them like you can't just pretend this is your idea yeah, yeah make it like fairy dust or something come on you can't yeah. do the bulb thing but I, I also like the casualness of them the making them forget because uh, while they're doing this like you know the time is frozen and it basically looks like you know in an X Men movie when Quicksilver is going around, even though I I don't think she was doing it at like uh, super speed or anything. Or like but, when Sonic is running around in that roadhouse in the hit film Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, exactly. Yes. Thank you. So Will. that's going on, but and they make it forget. But then all the chaos, the aftermath of the chaos is still there. The destruction when they like come out of their time. Uh-huh. warp thing yep. and so everyone's like oh what the what and it's just like i, l- I appreciate the laziness of the fairies in that instance <laughs> <laughs> that they they made them forget everything they but didn't really... explain why this wedding suddenly was a disaster <laughs> they really exactly. have to clean up is what you're saying yeah, yeah. Uh, it does yeah. Uh, it does ask the question Stuart. yeah why why didn't they why did they bother to send holly if they could just stop time and send in a team of agents to get this Bing. troll yeah you would think that would be the whole point but of course immediately afterwards 
Holly decides to go rogue on the surface because she's trying to clear her father's name. Because, of course, in all situations, the fish rots from the head. Judy Dench uh, broke protocol to freeze time so quickly. So, of course, her subordinates don't really care about the rules either. So I think this is a situation where we're just going to have to deal with the entire system. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, dismantle it. Defund Leprechaun. Oh, yeah, man, sure. this, this so, segment in Artemis Fowl just ripped straight from the headlines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. This uh, is also the, this is the this is the part where uh, where Cudgeon goes up to Judy Dench and is like, "Hey, I'm gonna have your job and your ass if you don't get in line and do what I say." And I was like, "Wasn't he in jail earlier today? Like, yeah. I don't understand. How did he get this job so quickly? Where he's in charge of everything? Very strange." Uh, yeah, it is pretty strange. But you know what else is strange? That uh, Artie and Dom <laughs> have set a trap for Holly outside of this tree. <laughs> Uh, she flies to this tree for some reason, and then they shoot her with a tranquilizer dart, and then the fairies find out about it, because I guess they're tracking her, and they're like, okay, well, we gotta rescue our friend. However, Artemis has already thrown Holly in jail in his house, because he can't leave his house, because then that would defeat the whole movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was, this, this is, uh, the, uh, Artemis captures Holly, and Judy Dench says uh, to, uh, to Cudgeon at this point, Get the four-leaf clover out of here. My favorite kind of joke, guys. A joke in a kid's movie that that need, necessitates knowledge of a swear word. Smurf Love happens. It. Now, <laughs> Smurf Stuart. happens indeed. It's cringy for the reason, the obvious reason, which is a five-year-old's not going to get that joke. And it's even cringier because anybody who would get that joke would just groan. It's because it's not funny. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real groaner. Uh, it does remind me, yeah, of the of the Smurf tagline. Smurf happens, and of course. Uh, get smurfed up your butt, which I thought was especially inappropriate. <laughs> smurf, my smurf. No, I, I don't have smurfs children, too. but I always did feel like, wait, hey, mom, what does that mean? And you're like, oh, all right, it means suck my dick. That's what it means. Now, I thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, the producers of Sonic the Hedgehog, for forcing me to explain like, wow, those, to my five-year-old kid. <laughs> now, did, now did, you, did you mention, I can't remember that, but they told Holly to that fairies can't be seen, remain inconspicuous, and so she just flies with her fairy wings low enough that people can see from the streets of Italy? Uh-huh, yep. Well, people don't look up. Oh, that's By true. the way, I, I just want to say that this is uh, around the point where my thin um, uh, grasp of the plot went to no grasp of the plot, and <laughs> oh, wow. you lasted Stuart, longer than I did. Uh, explained a big... <laughs> portion of it uh just now and yet again my it's as if the the ideas could not find purchase on my brain they slid right off as Stuart now, said them, dan so. what's going on is that in order so artemis senior to get has been kidnapped and artemis fowl jr has to get uh-huh. the oculus in order to yeah. get the aculus he has a plan that involves kidnapping a fairy even right. though the fairies do not have the aculus because it was stolen from them a long time ago and in fact they want it and in fact, they yeah. want to get it back. And so the fairies then decide to invade Artemis Fowl's house because that, yes. Because that, yes. <laughs> they they want to get want, their, their comrade back. They want to get Holly yeah. back. And the way they do awesome. this inconspicuously is by almost killing a fisherman and then, a, and, yeah. and then attacking Ireland. Uh, we, we've invoked the Aculus several times. I just also want to say that like, it is the most MacGuffin-y MacGuffin in that I still don't know what it was supposed to it's do. Like a, it's like a big magic metal acorn that does magic. Come on, yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, how much plot do you and, need? 
and all <laughs> and all of Haven City relies on it because yes, again. So yes. yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like in Pulp Fiction, I want to see what's in the briefcase. <laughs> yeah, uh, in uh, a Battle Angel Lita, why don't they tell us more about this Clone War she was in? <laughs> Shut <I> wanna... up! <laughs> you keep making reference to a thing that hasn't been released yet, Elliot. Well, we better release that episode, Dan, because I want people to know how much you love backstory. <laughs> uh, extra backstory, please. Uh, the Aculus is cool, but who made it? Uh, uh, what was Boba Fett like as a widow boy? <laughs> I literally asked for one sentence of clarification about a plot point, and now this is Flophouse canon. Okay. Tell me, so uh, what else happened when Scully was a widow girl? <laughs> That's when you're watching the X-Files. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so Holly is in jail in Artemis's house. Uh, she tries to use her uh, her powers of mesmerism, but Artemis and Juliet are wearing sunglasses, and that blocks her abilities. Holly is not having this. Uh, what kind of magic can be thwarted by sunglasses? That's the a magic good of question. The sun's rays. Radiation. Uh, yeah, it usually goes the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. Like in They Live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually magic sunglasses let you do special things. But these yeah, are regular exactly. sunglasses that stop things. Now, the other question is, did Artemis build this cage, or did his dad already have a fairy cage in his house? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, also... Or is it a fairy day cage? Mm. Let us... Uh, I, I, there was a moment, too, where like Artemis is like, fairies are real. And I'm like, wait, he didn't believe that before? It seems like that's all his dad talked about ever. And why did he force the butler to stand outside for days in camo gear watching the, or in one of those, what are they called? Ghoulies? What do you wear when you're out hunting? It's a ghillie suit. Ghoulies, thank you, ghoulies. And a ghoulies no, are when a, you're hiding in a they'll toilet. They'll get you in the end. <laughs> yeah, they'll get you and, in the end. And you need to get someone in the end, yeah. That, that he's, why he is standing there with a sniper rifle for days, and he's like, oh yeah, well I'm glad my hunch, glad my hunch paid off that a fairy would show up. Yeah, that's that was my big complaint about the latest Call of Duty, is that my sniper character couldn't wear a ghoulie suit. <laughs> Which is like little little suspenders, right? Like little overalls. Yeah. <laughs> Call of Ghoulie. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Call of Ghoulie. Yeah, that oh. puts the duty into Call of Duty. Okay. Um. So. Because it's a toilet. Well, I get Stuart, it. as you're trying and doing a really good job of explaining all these randomly inserted Thank plot you. points, you're. To, to a credit to your, I'm sorry, as a service to your listeners, you're omitting all the different times that Josh Gad inter- interrupts what's happening. He interrupts with any time an isolated sequence gets slightly interesting. Josh Gad is like, and then Bob fell over. And they're like, wait, why is Josh Gad explaining just showing me a scene? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so it's Josh Gad in this movie. So, of course, it's not Josh Gad. It's Mulch Diggums. And he does it Mm -hmm. in his cool voice. (laughs) And he's like, humans would be frightened of fairies. Most humans are afraid of gluten. And I'm like, wow, this is a really crazy uh, world that we're in because most people make fun of people who don't like gluten. Take that, gluten! (laughs) And there's a lot of like, there's a lot like, well, here's when the kid does what he does best. He comes up with a plan. And I again, yeah, my voice is not better. really Mulch Diggum's voice. The accent is all off. But. <laughs> I, I hesitate to um, you know, shatter Stu's uh, remaining sanity by putting another halt to the plot summary. Oh, you mean, but wait, a... like, the, like the X-Force character Shatter Stu? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. But... I have hollow bones and only three fingers. Mm-hmm, and double this swords. Is... Uh-huh. I feel like this is maybe the place to bring this up. I have no idea about the production history of this movie. Maybe others do. Well, so here's... But it really... Hold on. But I just want to just... I, the reason I bring okay, it up is I have is the just information like, it... you're looking for. 
Okay, but I want to <laughs> first say the reason I bring it up is like it definitely feels like Josh Gad's narration is there to paper over stuff that got cut or changes that were made at some point. Like it, it feels like a movie that has had surgery done on it, but I don't know if that's true. I think I I don't know for sure. I know that the movie was in development for a very long time. It was in development yeah. since before the book was published. It was purchased. It was or uh, the rights were purchased while it was in galleys, and it took years and years and at different points lots of different people were attached and so i imagine the final script is either they threw it out and in a short amount of time had to rewrite a whole new one or it's like Mm -hmm. a mishmash of different elements that people pulled out of the books or made up or didn't it seems like even kenneth branagh was uh he was not the first director that was attached to it but he they they let's say they hired him in 2015 and they were Da, 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 da. They had trouble because Harvey Weinstein was a producer for a while, and then he mm. was removed from the film because he's trash and disgusting and a criminal. And there's just like, I think it was one of those movies that probably had its fair share of behind-the-scenes yeah. mix-ups, but also like, I don't think anyone really cared that much about it. And I could be wrong about it. I think it's one of those pot-committed movies. I think it's like a studio says, we've already invested $78 million into developing this. We're going to spend uh, another 120 just to make it. Because otherwise, it's embarrassing for us. <laughs> and there's there's part of there's part of me that wonders if Kenneth like who released um, uh, Murder on the Orient Express because it's it feels who like one of those it? things where oh. it's like or who who well, produced uh, what Warner company produced Warner? it because I don't think that was a Disney film but it does feel like it was like I'll do this Artemis Fowl garbage and then you'll let me play Hercule Poirot on a one train for me one yeah. for you not knowing that that would be the hit of the two uh, that could be it or it could just be he has obviously has some. Uh, experience with big budget tent poles like uh, Thor, and I guess he probably looked at this at one point and said, "Hey, if I'm given freedom, it's a popular book, it's an interesting world, I could probably do something with it." Uh, but it seems like either he mis made a misstep, or uh, twenty different studio execs stepped in with scissors and went, "Oh God, we don't even know what to do with this." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, with oh, with so, our so Murder on the Orient Express turns out it was 20th Century Fox, so it's not I the was same wrong. studio yet. With uh. With our moderate-sized audience out there, uh, there's a slim chance someone worked on Artemis Fowl. If you have any uh, <laughs> hot goss, you can send it to us, and we won't release your name. Yeah, we'll do a, a mini-sode that's called The Goss House, where we talk about that hot goss. <laughs> Fowl House. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll play my I'll play you my know. character that I've everyone's known knows very well Ryan Gosling he's the man made out of gossip and he uh-huh. just loves to sing I'm Ryan Gosling and I love to sing about things that happen to people who aren't me what's the gossip Ryan Gosling here hey everybody what do you hear I rhymed here with here but they're spelled differently so that's okay Ryan Gosling <laughs> so that's my character everybody knows and loves yeah. Uh, I like it. My guess is this was not like it's, I, it's I, great because also I remember when your character Ryan Gosling got hired to do promotion for Gosling's Dark Rum uh, with Dark and Stormies, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. It's like, hey, what's the gossip that everybody hears? I'll tell you what it is. It's Dark and Stormies, everybody's favorite drink right now. Hey, what's the news? Well, it's not really news. It's gossip. So I won't tell you who it's happening to, except for one or two of the names, maybe. And I don't know if it's true or not. Dark and Stormies. <laughs> He just, I guess he would just define what gossip is sometimes. Yeah, so, sometimes, yeah. You know. a real so patter, my, so. my guess is this was probably not a disaster behind the scenes like Cats and was more just like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of cooks in the kitchen and, uh, and in the end just trying to yeah. salvage something. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, now, so... Now, no, wait, the, have, the, we, they, have we gotten to the part where Judy Dench is inside a landing vehicle and the ramp goes down and then she just says, top of the morning, to nobody? 
love it. I fucking love <laughs> just, it. Like just four to open or five air. moments. So of course, that, like that, that make no sense in the context of the movie, but seemed there because they needed a trailer uh-huh. movie, and that's one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I like to think that there, there was a character that was supposed to be CGI'd in there for her to talk to. They just forgot. Uh-huh. <laughs> So yeah, at this point they the uh, the fairies have frozen Foul Manor with one of their like flying time freeze devices, which once again, as we stated, it's such a powerful ability. It's like as soon as in Dishonored you unlock the ability to freeze time, it's like the game isn't even fun anymore because you can just like freeze time and murder everybody. Um, okay, so and yet uh, they mostly freeze time just to stand around. They do a lot, yeah. So they, it's like they're freezing themselves, you know. Um, and every now and every now and then they'll be like, the time bubble's unstable, and a fairy will be just sucked away into nothingness, and you're uh-huh. like, what? Yep, That's like, oh, I guess Azathoth is eating him. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, Artemis, is Az- wait, Stuart, is Azathoth the one who dances eternally to the to the sound of Mad Pipers? At yeah, the yeah, the it's, it's the blind idiot god. Um, okay, okay. So, oh my gosh, we just—I just stumbled into a Lovecraft podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, try to stumble out if you can find the door. Oh, it's non-Euclidean. Uh, so Artemis and Dom, of course, they're surrounded. So what do they do? They put on some cool suits and then beat the shit out of some fairies with their own weapons. Yeah. Uh, Y'all, and in the meanwhile, take that magical creatures. <laughs> yep. And the the fairies' weapons, as we've addressed, are basically like a lot of blasters. Uh, they end up stealing a uh, a. A uh, bow and arrow that shoots a laser uh, and shoots the time device, which makes the time device unstable. So we got a ticking clock, everybody. It looks like the fair uh, we're at kind of a stalemate situation. So Commander Root has to go inside Foul Manor to negotiate with Artemis. Dun 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 dun. Do, do I get everything? Do I get everything? Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good. I mean, I, no, I think you made that sound dramatic. Yeah, you made. Okay. You, you described it much better than uh, much better than the movie did, where it's just yeah. them shoot just. Firing flat blasters at each other. I also believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Elliot, I believe that both Elliot and I were leaning away from the microphone to burp at that exact moment, too. So that might have delayed our response. Oh, thank you. Thanks for clarifying. I'm glad mm-hmm. you guys are drinking. Yeah. You're, you're burping from all the dark and stormies you're drinking. I'm smoking. Brought to you by Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Brought to you by Ryan Gosling. Uh, Gosling's gin. Or is it rum? Yeah, it's, it's rum. Anyway. It's rum, yeah. So, uh, Dan, so, so Dan and I, Dan and I, have a connection much like Elliot and ET in the movie ET, where sometimes we <laughs> do the same thing at a distance, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, whether it's kissing someone because we saw a kiss on TV or freeing frogs because <laughs> why not? Why should the frogs have to die when we could just look at pictures of frogs? Wow, that would be funny if when Stuart drank an extra beer, that's when Elliot started singing. That would be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, usually, what happens when I start singing beer. is Stuart gets up to get an extra beer. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep, and I, I I pause extra long when my hand rests on the door of the refrigerator, and I'm like, He's still singing. Here we go again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like may, so, maybe maybe this will make the podcast go faster. Now, did you mention that uh that that uh that uh Fowl has demanded the Aculus to let Holly go? Yeah, so he makes his demands. Of course, uh, Commander Root makes her demands in her tough voice. Uh, it, but it feels like they're at yet another stalemate, although, as I mentioned, the time device is breaking and we, uh, we have a ticking clock. Um, meanwhile, uh, the fairies have decided to Meanwhile, get- Madison's learning not every problem can be settled by committee. That's, that's exactly right, because- Also on Disney Plus, <laughs> Hamilton. Um, I get that joke now! <laughs> the, uh... Huzzah! Thank you, Disney Plus! <laughs> 
The problem is they're trying to they're fighting over where to put the U.S. Capitol. It isn't pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, you got some more. You got some more history raps for me. <laughs> no? uh, well, well, that's when uh, uh, the Virginian insight dinner and invite uh-huh. a quid yep. pro quo. I uh-huh. suppose so and so forth. <laughs> oh man, what a laugh! Okay, so uh, this is when the fairies are going to need the best deep core driller on the planet Earth, so they can so they I mean, can blow up an a asteroid. Bit, I'm guessing a bit of an exaggeration. A bit of an exaggeration. I, re- <laughs> I rewatched that movie recently because, like, it's a fucking pandemic, and yeah, I know. sometimes I need to find the stupidest thing uh-huh. to watch. Yeah, and, and you don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> When uh, Billy Bob Thornton says, get me the world's best deep cork driller, I'm like, what the fuck? Are there listings? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Deep Core Magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not what Deep Core Magazine is about, Elliot. So, oh. It's a world. <laughs> Elliot yeah. shouldn't have splurged on that subscription. No, I didn't even re- look at the magazine first. And <laughs> You said splurge, I thought, yep. is like a porno reference. That's mm. funny. So, uh, yeah, of course, uh, they decide to <laughs> what if, break guys, out. What if, there was, what if there was a soda called Splurge and it was just really expensive? <laughs> <laughs> Tastes exactly like Coke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, now, so, Opal, are we going to talk about how, why Opal Cowboy is motivation? I have no idea. I don't have she, anything she, written down is, in my notes. Do you so know? Opal tells Does anyone Artemis know? Fowl, Who knows? She, she tells Artemis Fowl Sr., I'm mad that humans reduced fairies to mere stories to frighten kids. I'm going to take over the world and eliminate humanity. Somehow the Aculus will help her do this. I don't know. Uh, well, again, this seems like one of those problems that could be solved also just by revealing that fairies exist rather yeah. than, I mean, like, than taking over humanity. Well, it brings me back there, to the old... There are a couple uh, steps that have been skipped, is all I'm saying. The old zookeeper episode where the animals are like, oh, yeah, we can talk, but we don't like freaking people out. And it's like, well, maybe you should talk because we'd probably eat you less if you did. <laughs> right? The abuse that you could avoid if you just spoke. <laughs> Man, I mean, I feel like attendance at zoos would at least temporarily increase, right? <laughs> There'd be a short increase, and then, and then of course, people would get used to it. There's a, Plus, there's a, it's like... Although I guess that like, wouldn't mean they'd make more money or anything right no the animals before they could demand a cut they could unionize possibly true yeah yeah they could actually negotiate that would be the the depressing version of that story is all pets can talk and then elliot's version is like after five years everyone's just like shut up no one cares (laughs) that well that's the thing like also like they're like oh it'll freak them out like well that's the thing that people get over with time like there's one of those people who like is just too polite to like avoid massive discomfort and can't say anything there's a stand-up bit that uh, i saw paul f tompkins do years ago where it was uh if if there was if they found a gorilla who could speak how many times would you see it on tv before you get tired of it <laughs> and just him, him imitating a gorilla who is being interviewed and has run out of things to say and is very, is very boring. Okay. Anyway, okay. So, so, uh, so we cut back to the oh, more uh, Paul F. Tompkins. That guy's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he's great. If only he was an Artemis Fowl, but he's not. He would have been great. Um, so we go back to the fairy prison where Mulch Diggums is being uh, threatened by a group of goblins, and he listens to Foreigner. Uh, and then he blows up the goblins, and right then they break him out and release him so that he can break into Foul Manor and help rescue Holly. And uh, now, how, how does he break in? Tell us about the physics of how this works. Oh, yeah, so this, is, uh, so this is where he straps on some goggles, he pulls out his mouth real wide, uh, and then he starts digging a hole using his mouth, and then all yeah. of the dirt he consumes just flies out of his asshole. 
<laughs> okay, I was wondering whether I was hallucinating that. That is what is intended, correct? That yes. looks like he's yes. just shitting a bunch of... Yeah, if you go frame by frame, you can see his actual butthole, I think. You can see, this this is, you can see his anus just, just ejecting movie. it, yeah. I'm sorry, Ellie, I've talked no, about no, it no, I no, just said this. Oh, I just saying this bit wouldn't work in a good movie, and in a bad movie, your <laughs> jaw hits the freaking floor. Oh, Here's sorry. the thing I, that really got to me about it, is he, you see his boxer shorts, so he must have like a slit in the back of his underpants that allows the dirt to come out. Yeah. yeah. So oh. do dwarves have to turn their boxer shorts around so that the slit's in the back instead of the front? <laughs> I guess so. Or it's like those split pants that that little kids wear in in some Asian countries that they can just poop when his call his colon health must be amazing though, because that's a lot of fiber. That is, a, I, I don't know that there's that much fiber in dirt, is there? Uh, I mean, I, uh, well, it's like sandblasting the insides of your colon. <laughs> yeah, sounds very healthy. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, yeah, that was that was the moment where I was like, come on, movie, come yeah, on. And, and I was like, at least in Perdido Street Station, the bug people eat paste <laughs> and it squirts out the back of their head, not out the back of their butt. That's weird. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so, so he is, digs in. Uh, Artemis Fowl releases Holly from her jail cell for some reason. Oh no, they didn't yet. He's just yeah, and he's they're bonding over dads. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a thing. Like this is like like I don't know if this is a, a very common thing in YA literature, but it it feels like every single character is their importance is in part defined by who their parents are, which uh, is the is so depressing to me. <laughs> Open your eyes, Stu. Welcome to the world we live in. It's one yeah. of those. It's Such one of those things. The uh, the young adult books and movies are so intrinsically connected to that. It's so frustrating. Is that prophecy is not good drama? It's just. I mean, it's not. Yeah. When you say someone is the chosen one, we're all sitting there going, "All right, well, he's going to go or she's going to go through a lot of trouble and then be named the chosen one because that's what you told me." Uh, I, I'd much rather it just be a, like a kid trying to accomplish some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not think, being defined exclusively by their birth. Yeah. I think it's, I think it, maybe it has to do with the fact that like these are books for a younger audience and they don't, their life experience is mostly, experience is mostly defined by like their family and school. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why there's a lot of YA where it's like, it's a school for this kind of talented thing. There's not a lot of YA that's about like having a job. Or like, <laughs> so, you know, like, or having children, you know. So, Ellie, you're uh, arguing. You don't think you, singles is a young adult movie? I mean, to, to, as someone my age, those are now young adults, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so, Ellie, your your argument makes a lot of sense. That for some reason, this book or movie is not targeted to me, Stuart. Uh, I mean, in a way, a movie about a criminal mastermind who operates in a fantasy world with elves and goblins does feel like it's targeted to. That's you. the thing. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. so uh, where where's my notes? Okay, so yeah, uh, he's let Holly loose. She punches him in the face, and I'm like, I've been wanting to do that the whole movie, but I keep breaking my television. <laughs> I, feel, uh, I feel so bad not liking a child performer in a movie because he's just a kid, and they told yeah. him play this part like you're a smug dick. But it's it's it really is. Uh, I just felt bad the whole movie because I was like, I hate this kid. Oh, but he's well, just an actor. He's I'm not. Just doing I'm not mad. Thing. The I'm not mad. The actor. I'm mad. The character. I can differentiate those two things. <laughs> I can't. Like, I, don't... I can't. Yeah. Uh, That's okay. why when I watch the Golden Girls, I'm like, I got to go visit these ladies. They seem like they're a lot of fun. <laughs> yep. And you just drive around Florida looking for their home. <laughs> well, I just drive around yelling out the window, Blanche, Rose, <laughs> Sophia. Yeah. And occasionally. Occasionally you get a bite, but it's never the right Never, uh, yeah, yeah, never understood bite. why they were called the Golden Girls and you never went outside and tan. 
that's a good good point. They could have meant two things. Hey, look, it's like Twitter. <laughs> I try out a bunch of jokes. Some land, some flop. Uh-huh. What are you going to do? You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, Dan's familiar with that. Um, so, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, so uh, Mulch is in the house. Burn. Um, so, yeah, Mulch is in the house. He finds, uh, despite it his... Should it be the name of the sequel? Artemis Mal 2, Mulch is in the house. <laughs> uh, so, Mulch's mission was to rescue Holly, but he used this as an opportunity to rob from uh, the foul man. Uh, that's foul that's the other thing is we forgot to mention is dwarves in this world love they love shiny things. They're always pickpocketing and conmanning and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Even which, a dwarfist giganticus, as uh-huh. Josh Gad calls himself. Which plays into some of the troubling uh, racial connotations that have long uh, been associated with dwarfs. So uh, he finds a safe. Uh, you mean you mean you mean uh, you mean mythic Jews? Yeah, yeah now they're kind yes. of short and hairy and apparently love gold, but it's okay because uh-huh. he called <laughs> them dwarfs. They live in a mountain. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so. The he he finds the safe. He opens it up. Uh, he uses his beard and mustache to open up the safe, like you expect he would. And inside that safe is, of course, the Aculus. It was in the house the entire time. Why would he have left his house? The Aculus this, is there. It's great. This is the most infuriating thing because, like, in a movie where, like, he starts out in the mansion, goes on a lot of adventures outside of the mansion. Him discovering it was back at the mansion the whole time might uh-huh. be, like, clever or ironic or something interesting about it. But this is just a movie where they're like, ugh, I guess there's no other places in the world other than this mansion, huh? <laughs> so I, they got to hide it in the mansion. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like if, it's, it's like if an executive got into uh, Mad Max Fury Road and was like, why did they drive away? They're just going to come back. <laughs> Let's just, just stay have there. To stay, like, there. <laughs> stay there the whole time. It's the, here, I, I, what was Mulch's mission? He was supposed to go in the house and rescue and it, Holly. Okay, because he doesn't do that. He just no. immediately, and he immediately is their friend. And and like Artemis in- Artemis knew this was going to happen. He knew that uh, that when Mulch got in the house, he would fail his greed check, uh, and he would be forced <laughs> to uh, to break into the safe. Is that the case? Because there, there's a bunch of there. I guess because he, he says saying, like, like he says like that's all my plan, and he puts on his fucking sunglasses. It's all yeah. He never he never explains his plan or relates his plan. He just ever every time anything happens, he goes, "It's all going to plan." And that's so, how you that's how you make people think you're a fucking genius, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I gotta start just doing that in my life. Well, it's the same thing that's happened. Yeah. That's, that happened. I feel like for the past almost four years in politics, where the, the government will do something totally stupid, and someone will go like. It's all according to plan. You'll see three-dimensional chess. He's playing a, a very complicated game, and then things will get worse. Just you watch. All, now we now we played into his hands. Oh boy. <sighs> Speaking yeah, so of anyway, fouls, uh, <laughs> these clowns so, in Congress. Uh, so he, okay, so so he finds the Aculus, and he what is he does this one. He's, no, he doesn't swallow it till later, right? So yeah, Spoiler. right around now is when. Right around now is when we have a little bit of dissension in the fairy camp. That's right. The character who I just have listed as Bootlicker takes control of Root's <laughs> army. That's Cudgeon. Pudgeon? Cudgeon. Pudgeon. Yeah, like like imagine imagine Vanessa Hudgens, but her last name was Cudgeon, and okay. her first name was not Vanessa, and she's not the <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens you know, but in fact a sort of uh, a sort of Bootlicker evil fairy. Okay, so uh, he. He kicks Judy Dench out uh, and decides to attack the manor. Everybody kind of goes along with it. I think they just want to see, uh, they just want to see a troll in action. So they uh, <laughs> they attack the house with a troll. 
uh, there is uh, what precedes is a troll fight that, gun to my head, I would say just as good as the Mines of Moria. Uh, <laughs> right around now, Juliet shows up again. But if the gun was not there, I would not say that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, gun to your head, you'd say pretty much anything about this troll fight. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I need to live. Gun to so head, this is a brilliant do. movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. uh, so there's uh, the troll fight is a lot of running around the house and things getting smashed. So if you yep. like watching furniture getting broken, you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, I mean, you, to be fair, that's probably... That's probably accurate to a troll fight. If I mean, one not happened. not to not to king shame anybody. If you are aroused by watching furniture get broken, get ready to explode <laughs> with pleasure because <laughs> so much furniture gets broken. And I'm just gonna say this: Artemis is useless in this scene. At one point, yeah. he's got Holly's laser in his hands, and the laser sparks, and he drops it, and I don't know why that happened. Yeah, and then she gets stuck in the she gets stuck in the chandelier for the whole she, bit. I'm like, why? Yeah, she get, what is that all about? She gets stuck in a very elaborate chandelier. Oy, oy, oy. Uh, th- but this is one of the few occasions where you catch another glimpse of uh, Butler's niece, too. Yeah, like, Julia. Yeah, yeah. She's she suddenly back in, the, back in the movie. Well, maybe mainly she, was, mainly she shows up to, time. like, scream and run around, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what happens? After a, while, after a while, yeah. they beat the troll, but in the process, it falls on top of Dom the Butler... And you're like, oh, no, he's dying. So they, like, take him into another room. And Holly's like, I can't use my magic because the fairies put a thing on that prevents me from using magic. So I guess this dude's going to die. So many, okay. so and many hastily, then... hastily delivered rules. Just th- This just came up. I just learned <laughs> also, that I, I just cast a spell that won't allow us to undo the... And it just like, you, yeah. you just came up with this now? Okay, movie. Yeah. And Dom, Dom <laughs> if I was a movie doctor, I would do- diagnose him with, uh, with movie injury, which uh-huh. is where from the outside he looks fine. Uh-huh. Except that he's very sweaty and he's having a little trouble breathing. Oh. There's no blood. There don't appear to be any broken bones. He's uh-huh. just, had, I guess that when the troll yeah. landed on him, it smashed his life bar. And yeah. all the life energy <laughs> juice leaked out. Yeah. And so he's just got like He lost 1% his will to live. You, you yeah, know how that yeah, works. The Medibot, if the Medibot showed up, that's what the Medibot would tell the Jedi. They got to um, take away that Medibot's license to practice. Yeah, yeah. She just keeps writing lost will to live on all of her documents. <laughs> right. And it's, it's like, gonna it's be really a foul scandalous expose about that Medbot in 20 years, like 30 34,000 people just lost their will to live? Hmm. Oh, got your, got your medical license from online classes at Bespin University. Okay, sure. Um, okay, so uh, around... Uh, and then Judy Dench takes over again, and she's like, no, let him use the magic. And they're like, okay, let her use the magic. So then she brings Dom back to life, and I'm like, I barely had had time to mourn him. Now he's back. I don't know how to feel. So he comes back to life. What happened to Bootleg? Uh... Do they, what do they, throw him into a phantom dimension? I don't remember. He just kind of stops. He just kind of stops. When she, she says, this is my arm, and he just kind of stops existing and is no longer. Mm-hmm. It's like how in old He-Man cartoons where He-Man would defeat a foe by throwing him off camera, and he was just not a problem anymore. <laughs> no longer near me. <laughs> That's great. So uh, now this is where things get a little bit murky in my mind. <laughs> yes, yeah, here. Here. Here is where it gets murky. Okay, so the, you did great, Stuart. Better you. than no, Stuart, I you're, ever expected. You're doing anyone. fantastic. No, dude, this, is, this, is, this is like this is I feel like, like Stuart when is in I... labor right now, and we're like, Stu, you're doing great. You can uh, get to the uh, end of this. I can see the head. I'm not kidding. I'm legitimately impressed that you have this many bullet points, and they're all accurate. I, I, mine would have been half this length. This summary feels a lot like when I tried to drink an entire gallon of chocolate milk in an hour, <laughs> and I, I drank so much of it, guys. I was like. There's just a little bit left, and I'm like on my knees, 
in front of some car's headlights and somebody's filming me and they're like, he's going to barf. And I'm like, no, I'm going to finish it. But I was never able to finish it. And then eventually, sure, that's a, that's... eventually I barfed. And I got to tell you, most pleasurable thing in my entire life. It was amazing. <laughs> that's, that's a situation I'm sure we can all relate to. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, I mean, a, that's a why I told that in story. Front of a car videotape uh, chocolate milk prank. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not a prank unless the prank dare. is something I dare, played I on say. myself. I've got a lot of questions, but I don't want to shame Stuart, so I think we should just move on. Okay, are you, what, the shame is that I wasn't able to finish it? It's really <laughs> hard to do. I just don't know. No, they're most Dan, he's lived with that shame every day of his life. The shame is that I wish go. I had some chocolate milk right now, and you wasted so much. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I did waste, I mean, not so much. I mean, I guess I barfed it out, and it was still cold. Um, okay, so... Uh, Right around, so the time bubble collapses, okay, and the fairies run for it, but a lot of them get sucked up into the time vortex. To where they go, I don't know. Maybe they get, maybe they're like what the the prisoner of London, what's that guy who's stuck in time and yeah, keeps yeah. bouncing he, around? Okay. But he so can't leave the city? Yeah, sure. He can't leave the city. I mean, haven't we all been there? Um, it's like Dark City, right? It's a lot like Dark City, except they don't have quite the same level of cool outfits. Um, <laughs> yeah, or so, quick change. So our heroes end up uh, with the Aculus, which had been stored in Mulch Diggum's uh, tummy, and they read a poem, and then the Aculus opens, and then somewhere in here, Artemis Sr. shows back up. Okay, so let me let me Thank lay some you. knowledge on you about what's happening here. Thanks. Okay, the time bubble collapses, everyone's flying around, but everyone's fine. Holly has to save Mulch, who is also suddenly outside and flying around for some reason. Um, Artemis gets the Aculus... Uh, out of Mulch's tummy, we have to assume that he pooped it out, I assume, or that they cut him open and pulled it out, but he's fine, so probably they just waited for him to poop it out. Mm -hmm. uh, and Holly stayed behind when all the other fairies left so that she would help him, and he can't... So, it's... Everyone just kind of knows that the Aculus has the magic power to bring his, free his dad and bring him back to the house, but humans can't use the Aculus. It's too powerful. It would kill a human. Holly has to use it, and... She does a thing that causes a magic, and the Aculus opens up and spins around, and there's letters flying everywhere and kind of magical glows and so forth. And, uh, oh, they also declare, they, uh, and Artemis says, I'll, Artemis Jr. says, uh, if you help me get my dad back, I'll trade you the Aculus for my dad, and you can take it back to Haven City. They declare themselves to be friends forever, because why wouldn't they be? He kidnapped her, they talked for a couple minutes, and, <laughs> He uh, blackmailed her. Uh, he's... <laughs> Yeah, and then he blackmailed her. Uh, and so uh, Opal Cowboy is like, oh, the time limit is up. I'm going to kill you. But then Holly uses the magic to do, as my notes right here, something, question mark. And, and uh, they're like, we did it. Okay, what happened? Like, nothing seems to be different. Artemis Jr. runs around this amazing house looking for his dad. The movie briefly becomes like a, like a House Hunters, where we just get to see where all these— Oh, that's—I oh, that's, see. The kitchen comes off of the family room. Um but guess who's back in the basement? Property Brothers. It's our, oh, the property, <laughs> the pro bros are there. And they're like, you could knock down all these walls, uh, but you don't get to keep the furniture. That who's there is Artemis Sr. That's right. The Aculus magic worked, and it brought Artemis Sr. back. And Opal Cowboy is so mad that she almost tells us something about why this movie happened or why this character exists or what they're doing, but doesn't. And uh, the dad is like, Hey, Holly Short, your dad Beechwood Short was a hero when he took the Aculus away from Haven City. Now you need to take it back. Uh, this was all part of a big plot to investigate and take down those who are supporting Opal Cowboy. That's right, guys. Turns uh -huh. out he was never really impeached. 
It was all part of his plan to take down the deep state from the inside and stop their child oh, trafficking ring in the pizza like, parlors. That's like four-dimensional chess. Exactly. It's political? So, so the whole time, Artemis Sr. was not a thief, or maybe he was, but the whole thing was a ho- him getting kidnapped so that the Aculus could be found in his house, so that the fairies would attack his house. It was a, it was way a ruse. Of, I, get, I guess it was all a ruse to get Cudgeon out in the open, so that they could then <laughs> stop, even though he was in jail before. And now they can go, they have a list of names that Beechwood uh, Short gave to Artemis Sr., and those were all the names the people were working with Opal Cowboy. And the names are written on a piece of paper that's cut in a kind of like uh, fortune-telling device way, like that little that, that teenage girls make, where you fold it, and then you got to pick numbers, and you lift up a flap, and it tells you what's going to happen in the future to you. I, I, so, pick, a, I pick seven. Okay. <laughs> what, what did it say underneath? It said, I'm going to have a boyfriend. Oh, that's oh, great. Yeah, but your boyfriend is Artemis Fowl, unfortunately. going to take me to prom. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a big uh, deal. That's a commitment. And Holly takes the Aculus back to Magic Town, and Uh uh, Root names her the head of the investigation into the Opal Cowboy gang uh, to see who else is in the the, uh, Haven City Deep State. And uh, that's when Artemis calls Opal and is like, hey, we're coming after you. I'm a criminal mastermind. Has he committed any crimes? I guess he kidnapped and imprisoned know. Holly. And yeah. But, this but is his origin really story. Human crime. We thought he and was a criminal mastermind at all this time, but this is how he became one. I guess so. But then also, if, it, if Holly's dad was a hero for taking the Aculus out of the city and hiding it, why is her job then to take it back to the city? And what, anyway, uh, but what's important is what's going to happen to Mulch. Stu, what, ha- what happens to Mulch? Diggums. Uh, Mulch Diggums. Let's see. Well, he, he's in jail, right? And he. Yep. Yeah. So human jail. But the thing is, they think he's the thief. But I think he has a story about somebody else who's actually the thief. So he starts telling a story about a very smart little boy named Artemis Fowl. Now, Artemis Fowl was growing up, and his dad wasn't there all the time, but his dad was teaching him stuff oh, about no. Irish Stuart, magic. I think, I think, uh, Stuart, no. I think you may have laughed yourself. Uh, now, meanwhile... <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, hey. Madison was learning not every problem can be settled by committee. Uh, so, they... Uh, Mulch is, in his, is being interrogated, and he's like, Artemis planned for all this. They're like, tell us where Artemis Fowl is. And I don't even know why the British government wants to know where Artemis Fowl is. Like, I don't, he didn't, he, they're like, he stole, he stole the Rosetta Stone and he stole this other stuff. And it's like, really? Because we didn't see it at his house in his secret basement. Yeah. But uh, he goes, here's what we're going to do. You're going to leave us alone and we're going to keep the fairies from leaking into the real world because we planned all this. And then Artemis Fowl's junior and senior fly a helicopter over the prison and they just open up the ceiling hatch and he climbs out and he escapes and the whole gang is back together and on the case again. And you're like, what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I want to tell the listeners who may be baffled that uh, listening to this podcast is actually quite like the experience of watching the movie, uh, except for hopefully this was pleasurable in that, uh, like this podcast, it was mostly just a cavalcade of dumb fantasy names with then like a bunch of silly stuff thrown in that derails everything. And at the end, everyone kind of seems to lose interest with what's going on. Yep. That's yeah. how I would describe this movie. Yeah. And I, I, I would like to apologize to uh, any of your listeners uh, if I have uh, spoken over your uh, beloved trio or uh, jeopardized their, no, their, their please banter. Do. Which is what I listen for. I don't listen for those stupid guests. Unless it's Hallie Haggard. <laughs> wow. 
Um, wow. But uh, I, I sometimes talk too much, and I hope I didn't uh, speak over your hosts too too frequently. Scott, you were great. You kept us on track and angry. <laughs> I mean, uh, usually we... I am legitimately we, uh, impressed by Stuart. I mean, any one of you guys did it would have been fine, obviously, but I am legitimately impressed. Dan would have done a good job. I could, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That anybody can articulate I mean, anything. It's a fantasy about a movie. Dan couldn't do it. Dan I mean, the it. fact that Dan couldn't sit through an hour and a half movie without getting up and doing something else at some point. Okay, yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like usually we save uh, each of our like performance reviews till after the show. <laughs> do we? <laughs> uh, so here's the question I have for you guys before we get to final judgments. Let's say you had your very own Aculus and you found out your dad was a super magic spy. What uh-huh. would you do? You think you're so much better than Artemis Fowl, the boy hero who never leaves his house. I don't know what an Aculus is still, so I don't know. It's a big metal magic acorn. What what more do you need to know? Well, what does it do? Does it create wishes? If I had this kind of money and this kind of, like, I wouldn't even let these people in my front door. I, I like I, this would never affect me at all. I'd be like some, some, weird, some weird fairy people just knocked on my door and I didn't let them in. End of movie. His, he, so he's an antiques dealer. Yes, that's his that's his cover story. That's so he has all that money because he steals stuff. I think well, it's family money. They've lived there for centuries. Oh, we're told. right, yeah, that's and cool. so and uh, he steals stuff. But I don't know where I don't know how you sell the Rosetta Stone on the open mark on the criminal market. Like I don't know how you fence like a literally priceless, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's do final judgments I think we all know where we're gonna go but just okay to... I'll just say so for the record none of us have a better idea what to do than Artemis Fowl did okay fair I'm glad <laughs> we spent all this time criticizing let's... if we didn't have any better ideas let's tie things up by uh, saying whether we thought it was a good bad movie a bad bad movie or a movie you kind of liked uh, I will start by saying look uh, I want to make it clear first off that this is all a criticism of the movie Artemis Fowl I have no familiarity with the source material by Ian uh, Colfer. I hope that's I'm pronouncing it correctly. But um, I did read his book that finished the Hitchhiker's uh, Guide to the Galaxy books after Douglas Adams died and left what? everything on a sad note. And uh, he, he wrote, what? You're not aware of this? He wrote no, a sixth, sixth Hitchhiker's book. Mostly yeah. Harmless, of course, ends with a, a legendarily uh, sour <laughs> ending. Uh, I don't Adams. know about that. It ends with all of the universe... Uh, being revealed as a huge joke on us. Yeah. Well, anyway, Douglas Adams uh, always said that he was having a bad time when he wrote that. He had hopes to write a final Hitchhiker's book that was a little less uh, sad. Um, and then, of course, he unfortunately passed away. So the the people who own the estate or whatever got Ian Colfer to write a sixth book. And it's a reasonably pe- pleasing pastiche of Douglas Adams. Yeah. Like how would you, how would you compare it to Brandon Sanderson's conclusion of the, uh, the wheel of time series, Dan? I um, <laughs> don't have the uh, information, the data to make that kind of uh, 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 an evaluation. How would you, how would you compare Which... it to Stuart Wellington's, forthcoming in the future conclusion to the Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire series. <laughs> yeah. uh, Stu's obviously is uh, surpasses the master. Dan, I would like to know how you would compare that book to the classic book I just read uh, last week, Horse Meets Dog, by Elliot Kalin. Thank you. Thank you. I thought that the characters were a little thin in <laughs> Horse Meets Dog. Wow. I mean, all I wow. really learned about them is wow. one of them is a horse and one of them is a dog. 
What more do you need uh, to sir, know? Do, hey. I don't think we read the same book, sir. <laughs> While uh, I reclined the record, at the wanna... Hinterlands Bar in Brooklyn, New York, and watched The Daily oh, Show wow. on television, sir. Wow. Dropping the, the hot plugs. Sponsorship. I will mention that Stuart's final Game of Thrones book is, of course, called The Game of Ghoulies, and all mm -hmm. the characters get it in the end. <laughs> all, uh, the all Game of, of Ghoulies. Jeff ghoulies. Do, you think, wanna... do you think the fans are looking for more descriptions of food, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> Only that's two what they kinds want. of food. Trenchers of gravy uh -huh. and Wait, You serve food at the Hinterlands Bar in Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah of course I do. Have what, to. What's on the menu? Uh, well, lemon cakes, uh, capons, uh, <laughs> trenchers, uh, trenchers, uh, a, a little bit of revenge, but that served cold. Oh, snap. <laughs> Better not so, wrong him. So, Dan, you were going to finish your final judgment? I, yeah, no, I quick, I just quickly wanted to say, look, I have no familiarity with the source material, which uh, a lot of people love. Uh, so I can only assume that this is a uh, just a historic botch of a, a good story. But this movie... The, I think one of the main problems with this movie, uh, despite, uh, like, along with everything about the movie, is that it thinks that we really care the most about action in fantasy action movies. Like, that is the thing that we come to these movies for. Because it basically cuts everything else. And Kenneth mm -hmm. Branagh directed a Marvel movie, one of the, I would say, most fine of the Marvel movies. Uh, but... Um, those the MCU films are you know big fantasy movies essentially where the action is okay most of the time. Some of them have really good action sequence, but, but mostly, but they overcome that. And the reason that they're so beloved is they spend a lot of time on the characters. You know who these people are. You're amused by them. You like to see them interact with one another. And this movie gives you the barest introduction to the title character other than seeing that he's a little shit and then uh throws you into a whirly gig of cgi and it has none of the charming moments that you look for in this so it, it was like other than movies that i find morally reprehensible this is one of my least favorite movies we ever watched the flop out <laughs> the end nice. uh so a good bad movie yes <laughs> <laughs> i would i would call this a bad bad movie it is a movie that has a lack of for, for lack of a better word, a lack of magic. Yeah. Oh, wow. Blam. That is scorched earth. Yep. So I was going to, when I saw the early production, well, not early, but when I saw uh, photos of this movie with Josh Gad dressed up like one of the members of Norwegian space Viking uh, metal band Arcturus, I was like, ooh, I'm up for this. I was roundly disappointed. There is no space Vikings. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, this is not fun. It's at what? 87. How long is this movie? 80. It's minutes? 96 minutes long. That is 90 minutes too long. Yeah. It uh, is the longest 96 minute movie I've ever seen. Bad, bad uh, only movie. because you have no idea what's going on. It's like when yeah. you, when you know where you're going and you've end it on a four hour drive or you don't know where you're going on a one hour drive. The one hour drive feels much longer because you're like, oh, okay, I don't know. Or like there are times when I would get stuck on a subway train in New York that would stop in mid tunnel. And I'd be like, okay, I guess I live here now. I'm never getting off this train. That's what this movie feels like a mm -hmm. little bit. Well, I am going to break the bad, bad streak and say good, bad, only because this movie got me onto the flop house. That's a lie. Oh, this movie's bad, oh, bad. That's sweet. This movie, oh. I love fantasy. I certainly have no problem with getting behind young adult movies, even so-so ones. You know, there's lots of times you see mediocre, big-budget movies where you're 
you give it a little more charity than it deserves because you know people worked on it and it's a piece of art so maybe it's not perfect <laughs> but it, meh, 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 meh. and then you're halfway through this and you're like why am i being charitable to this there doesn't deserve any charity they like it obviously the the uh the craft people the people who built the sets and the actors and the people who fed everybody and the lighters and the you know those people did their job but the powers that be did not care about this movie. The end product shows that, and it is a terrible, terrible, bad, bad movie. Yeah. For All right, well. B -b 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 bad, bads. Now, speaking of things that aren't bad, bad, I'm going to talk a little yeah. bit about the Max Fun Drive. Oh. And to do that, I am going to pull up some stuff. So... Uh, before, you know, before the drive, you know, months and months ago, before, uh, COVID and et cetera, et cetera, uh, MaxFun sent out an email to all of the MaxFun subscribers to ask, uh, a couple of questions, kind of what kind of roles MaxFun can fill for people in times like these. Um, and they sent along a list of these responses to us and reading through these before the show, I found it, to be honest, I found it pretty moving uh, to read people's thoughts about uh, what MaxFun provides for them in times when uh, there's so much chaos. Uh, one of the uh, one of the one of the lines that kind of stuck out to me from oh man, let me mess this up from Katen, uh from Portland, Oregon uh, said, "Stay safe. It's nice to be in the new abnormal with you together, though." Uh, and that kind of highlights the idea of how like strange and everything seems and how the universe kind of feels so uncertain, at least for me. I mean, I run a small business, but the doing the show and also listening to the shows in the network has provided me some kind of sense of stability and uh, friend, obviously friendship with my buddies, Dan and Elliot, but also the like, you know, the extensive like podcast friendship do you guys, you know what I'm going for, guys? Uh, the uh -huh. feeling of like, the feeling of community by listening to, uh, you know, other people kind of going through the same thing and also doing it on a regular, with like a regular routine. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I also want to take a moment to acknowledge, too, uh, that um, obviously a lot of people are in uh, bad spots right now uh, and... Uh, some of us are better suited to weather the, the storm than others. Uh, I know I have it a lot better than others. Uh, but that being said, a lot of the money from uh, this drive, you know, goes to the network in general. It goes to people who podcasting may be their uh, main job. And podcasting, like every other job, is, is getting hit hard by what's going on. So uh, while this may seem silly, there, you know, there are people who uh, depend on the funding that you're able to provide. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the whole thing. We do the max fun drive to kind of spotlight that uh, the shows on max fun are primarily listener supported. And that's why I'm talking to you uh, to consider if you are in that kind of a position. Um, and if we, uh, and if you like our show and other shows on the network, you should consider becoming a subscriber. And the way you do that is by visiting MaximumFun.org backslash or forward slash join. I can't tell the difference between those things. Um, and that'll give you a list of all the different ways you can uh, you can give. 
most of our, I think the vast majority of subscribers to Max Fun give at either the $5 or $10 per month level. Um, and, but some have, you know, there's options all the way up to $20 a month or more. Um, whatever you can provide, obviously, we're grateful for. And even if you can't, we understand that, too. Um, and part of the incentive and part of the bonus is that we uh, there's different gifts that are available to people who donate at all levels, uh, whether it's bonus content, which we uh, have been putting out quite a bit of bonus content the last couple of years when I force you guys to play role playing games with me and I make my friend Alex uh, write music and do cool sound effects for her. An uh, ever-expanding universe of bonus content <laughs> that seems to take more and more of our time every year. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, but you wait, when we do it, you guys say uh, it's just fun to get together and you like having an excuse to hang out with your friends. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, you, sure, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, one gift in particular that speaks directly to my heart and soul, of course, is the MaxFun Game Pack. Uh, that provides a set of MaxFun branded dice in a velvet bag with a rocket logo. That's the uh, MaxFun rocket logo. So if you need to show off uh, and go to your next game night, you can bring that velvet bag and pull out. Uh, you can pull out those MaxFun dice. Uh, as well, it also comes with a deck of custom MaxFun-inspired playing cards. So if you and the uh, the street urchin that you are fostering need to hustle some rubes out on the street you can use that <laughs> deck of cards uh and do some what three card mounty um and three uh, card uh, mounty that's it's like three card money but with three canadian mounties. card mounty with canadian <laughs> dollars um and uh yeah so once again um i love the network i love being part of the network um i've made some really good friends uh doing this show and uh even the hosts that i don't know personally uh, all feel kind of like friends to me. Um, and so thank you for listening and thank you for uh, donating or subscribing. That was really sweet and lovely. As a guest, I would just interject uh, as a longtime film writer and film fanatic. I am an avid listener of not only the Flophouse, but also Friendly Fire and Switchblade Sisters both of which oh, are, so great. Are, mm-hmm. are alliterative and are podcasts on this fine network. And it's also where I found and enjoyed iPodius, I believe it's pronounced, iPodius. Mm, close oh, enough, no. close enough. I did, enough. I actually watched every episode and then listened to each episode in succession like a nerd and had a ball. iPodius was a blast. That's the, that's the show you're dropping our show to do, right, Elliot? Uh, well, I mean, it's finished. I mean, we did it. There's no, I mean, maybe we'll watch <laughs> I Claudius through again and, uh, <laughs> and do another episode. But well, that yeah. sounds but, like the uh, best idea of all time. If you, if anybody out there wants a fun project, get the old PBS series, iPodius, watch episode one, then listen to episode one with a little marijuana in between, and then do the same for episodes two, three, all the way to the end. And then when you're done, thank Elliot and his co-host. John Hodgman. Thanks. Yeah, uh, thank you for thank you for that that plug for my own thing. Oh, I had a ball. I, I think you should do a bonus episode for Caligula, though. If I could just interject that, I think you, I don't oh, want to wow. watch that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's do let's do a quick uh, ad. Or, or two, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Flop House is sponsored in part by HelloFresh. 
Get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. There's something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly recipes every week. HelloFresh's pre-proportioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food food waste. And HelloFresh donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019, and this year is stepping up their food donations amid the coronavirus crisis. Uh, We got um, some HelloFresh samples some ways back, and I recall that I asked for the lower-calorie stuff, and it tasted as delicious as it it would have had it been packed with calories. Well, you added extra butter, right? I did. I mean, that's uh, you know, that's uh, a true uh, chef puts his own little spin on. on I mean, I mean not, not every chef just layers the lardo onto <laughs> onto every piece well, of food. They're they missing eat, out. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's how it goes. Uh, go to hellofresh.com/flophouse80 and use code flophouse80 to get a total of eighty dollars off, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. That's HelloFresh.com slash Flophouse80. That was a lot of words, yeah, guys. I gotta and give yet, you. I gotta give you credit. You know, for somebody whose mouth was clearly watering at those food descriptions, <laughs> you read that very well, Dan. I think well, HelloFresh should team up with Hello Kitty. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure that's got Hello been Fresh thrown Kitty. Around. They send only the freshest cats to your house. <laughs> yep. HelloFresh uh, doesn't send you cats. HelloFresh sends you delicious meals that are already measured out because you know the worst part of cooking, the measuring. I hate it. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to a quick word from Squarespace. Uh, use Squarespace to create a beautiful website. You can turn your cool idea into a new site where you blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, and or more. The ever-present more. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers with everything optimized for mobile right out of the box, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, free and secure hosting. Wow. Wow, everyone. Wow. Uh-huh. Head to squarespace.com flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, Dan, that sounds great. I actually had an idea for a website, and I was wondering if Squarespace uh-huh. might be able to help uh-huh. me. Well, just keep the idea short, since we did a lot of Max Fun stuff, too. Okay, I just that watching this movie, it made me think about, like, what happens if you're tunneling through the dirt, chopping mm-hmm. it down, mm-hmm. it comes flying out of your butt, and you accidentally get some minerals in there that are a little bit harder to pass through. And that's why Rocktologist.com is your mm. place on the Internet for telehealth examinations that's right we can do it remotely to help you diagnose what kind of rock is stuck in, stuck in your rectum or rocktum as we call it and how to get that guy out of there because okay, what's good. most important to us is your bowel health over at rocktologist.com <laughs> for for a moment i thought the service was just going to identify the type of rock and like it seems like there <laughs> that would only be one step in a two-step process i mean that I'm is glad. the first most important step because there's you want to you want to treat different rocks differently i i dis. I disagree with you, Elliot. I think the second step is the most important step. Mm, it's hard to get to the second step without the first step. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Uh, Stuart, I think you have a Jumbotron, and then we can move on. Oh, we don't want to talk about uh, rocks stuck in people's asses anymore? <laughs> okay. I mean, we can. Rocktologist.com is here for you. Cool, okay. I do have a Jumbotron. Okay, and it goes like this. You said that as if we interrupted you, but we didn't. come on. He's rolling. And it goes like this. The Blue Room is a short film about a bored security guard who spends his days wandering the halls of a mysterious research facility. His only company is a sarcastic scientist who claims he can do magic. Equal parts Lynch and Lovecraft, The Blue Room combines the history of 19th century stage magic with creeping cosmic dread. It's a puzzle box with something terrifying inside. Open it. Won't you? So visit blueroomhorrorfilm.com to watch the movie for free. Won't you? Can't beat that price. I might. Sounds fun uh, to me. Hey. Yes. Let's do letters. Oh, yeah, for listeners. Not? Letter time, letter uh, time. Hey, it's time for letters. Okay, let's do it. Letters from whom? Perfect. Um, this is from... This letters from, from the listeners, listeners who write us letters, letters like you from listeners that like them. That makes sense. This, yep. Now, I know this, I mentioned, I said letters like you. Maybe you're not a letter. Maybe it. you're a person who writes letters, but sometimes letters listen to, and they write letters too. It's how letters have babies. Uh, they write uh, letters. Do I us. Meant to, I'm going to need more I'm, information. <laughs> well, you see, when a letter wants to start a family, they don't have to do with the human way or the animal way uh, or even the amoeba way where they split in two. Instead, they write a new letter for you. It says, dear you, here's my letter to you. It's my baby. Take care of it, please. Love a letter. P.S. Please, please, please. This letter I, is all that I have in the world to leave behind and let the future know that I was here. Uh-huh. Treat it well. Maybe laminate it. Thank uh-huh. you. Okay. I guess it was mental, it was my fault for mentally praising Elliot for keeping it short the first time around. That's a mistake. He can, he can hear my thoughts. <laughs> we have that ET connection. Anyway, mm-hmm. Willie last name withheld. Loman. Writes, Dearest Flappers, recently your episode with Felicia Day featured a quip from the aforementioned guest host about a movie being big in Topeka. As a group, you questioned whether or not it was large in East or West Topeka. You also wondered if one side of Topeka was better than the other side. I never lived in Topeka, <laughs> but I was in <laughs> but I was an editor for the Topeka Capital Journal for six months before they laid off half of their staff. Oh, I can that. I can assure you that there is a no good side of Topeka. The west side is a very large Walmart next to a very large Sam's Club, next to I'm assuming a now closed Chuck E. Cheese. And the east side is the Kansas State Capitol and a lot of crime. Topeka has this weird setup where all of the rich people live outside of Topeka so they don't have to pay city taxes, which makes Topeka a terrible place to live. If you find yourself in Topeka, I recommend the following activities. One, Spangles is a terrible local fast food chain that features 50 nostalgia steam and horribly bad food. It does, however, have a liquor license and sells margaritas and screwdrivers for like a dollar. It's a nice price. Two, nothing else. Nothing else. Just keep driving until you get to Lawrence or Kansas City or Manhattan on the other end. In conclusion, don't bother investing in a Rand McDowell. Now the guy to Topeka, 
It will just tell you to do boring things like go to the governor's mansion or visit some museum. Dan, I'm assuming they have. Dan, keep on flopping in the free Dan, world. Will you laugh? I feel like this letter Dan, is is, Dan, is, a, is a little uninformed. Dan, uh, Dan, before you get to the postscript of the letter, uh, it might answer my question, but I want to ask it. Is Topeka named after that really lumpy uh, pudding that people eat? Uh, tapioca, you mean? Wait, what did I say? Garbanzola? Close enough. I said Topeka, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, it didn't answer my question, which is whether it's worth stopping at that Topeka bodega I've heard so much about in my acting classes. But wait, it's called Topeka, right? Yeah, tapioca is what you're thinking of. I said, that's what I, what did I say? It's the capital of my fridge. (laughs) Yeah. So... Wait, no. sorry for the town yep. is called Tapioca. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. <coughs> oh, I will mention I've always wanted to go to Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, one of my good friends from college, John Ott, was from there, and he always made it sound really nice. You know what's one city that uh, I'm from, and you guys have been to, and I've seen you here? Philly. Represent what? Yes. Philly in the house. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I I can't remember uh, what, <laughs> wow. what show it was, but uh, I sat in front of one of your significant others, and I believe it was Stewart's. Oh, yeah. Mm. If she was uh, asleep during the show, it was probably my wife. Uh, okay. No, wait. So I got a question. Did they, did they make the pudding yes, there? Yes, that's why it's named to Tapioca. <laughs> that's why it's named. I think we've got uh, it. This is a common mistake that no one has ever made before, Stu. It's actually two different words. <laughs> And look, uh, don't get mad at me, Topeka. I, I don't, I, as far as I know, you're lovely. I just, I, halfway through this letter, I couldn't stop laughing at the idea of how mad people in Topeka were. And I apologize for laughing at your pain. Yeah, no, no. It Dan just... is, look, Dan's the social media platform. He's not a guardian. He believes all free speech should be free. He can't, he can't censor these things just because they may be slanderous. Look, Dan's not here to be a gatekeeper. Uh, Just because there I'm, might be inaccurate information about Topeka out there. I, lo- uh, I love you, Topeka. Uh, this is from Wade it, Wait, Strange way of showing wait, it. Wait, it's tapioca? <laughs> this one's from Wade, last name withheld. Wade Wilson, writes, Deadpool. Yeah. Hey, floppers. Long time listener. First time mail a question that doesn't sucker. I hope. Occasionally, a movie, rather than having an exceptionally memorable cast story, characters, or any other prominent feature is remembered for having an especially original or outrageous central conceit. The bad bad example of this would be a movie like... Who wrote this? What? The the bad example of this... Well, Wade did. Wow. See, I insulted... uh, Oh, I'm not insulting the grammar. Now you're insulting Uh, Wade. Dan, it was not... Wait, let me let me just say it's not an abstract idea of a city. Dan. It's a city. It's a physical city that people live in. I'm sorry, both Wade. the city and the people who live there. It's not like there's some the platonic concept of Topeka that you went after. I think that we brought attention to the shadiness of people who who live in Topeka, not paying the city taxes. The wealthy fleeing from Topeka. Oh, yeah, we're muckrakers. Yeah, we finally broke that story. I think I'm going to be splashed with this anti-Topeka mud for the rest of my life, and I don't appreciate it, frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, so... So, guys, I hate right, to interrupt, is... but it looks like when I googled tapioca Kansas, <laughs> the first result is top ten best tapioca in Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> 
So I don't think that's the name of the town, guys. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to click on it. I think it'll mess up my algorithm. Oh God. Okay. Uh... <laughs> that's how. That's me with Amazon Prime. Like, do I want to watch this romantic comedy? No. Now it's going to offer me forty-five romantic comedies. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. Poor. I mean, mix it up. Yeah, come on. Sorry, Don't sorry, Wade. Poor Wade was excited about getting his question answered. So, Dan, and... so finish, okay. so power through it, Dan. Okay, uh, it's about uh, exceptionally memorable central conceits. The bad example of this would be a movie like Wanted, which basically no one remembers anything about at this point other than it's the movie where people can bend bullets. My favorite example of this would be a movie like Dread, where the movie invents the conceit of a drug that makes everything into super slow motion and feasts upon it sumptuously at every available turn. Can you think of some other movies, beneficial or baneful, that you recall having a central or tangential conceit that you consider particularly memorable? Keep flopping on, Wade. Now, which one of you is going to make the joke about the most baneful movie being The Dark Knight Rises? Anyone? <laughs> I was going to say Seven, because Seven has a great concept, and that's, oh, okay. I mean, like, I think oh. that's kind of what the question was asking, like, what whether the movie is good or not, and I think Seven is a masterpiece, but the concept of a killer, you know, tracking, uh, killing his victims through the Seven Deadly Sins is a, a fascinating and compelling concept. Plus, it's always raining. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <gasps> yep. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie called Alien, but it posits a universe where there's an alien that puts its egg inside your body and then it explodes out of your chest. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty great concept. Yeah, you got I mean, like, it's sort of hard to say, like, what's a conceit, like, where the where the lines around like that is. But uh... the purge, anything that makes a writer say, damn, I wish I thought of that. The purge. What's the hook? Crime is legal for one day. And every writer in the world go, yeah. went, damn, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good I, example of one where like where the where the movie does not live up to the conceit too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, well certainly certainly give, the first one. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna give one like that off the top. Uh, just looking over Flophouse movies, you got something like I think it's Upside Down, where you have those two planets yeah. right next to one another, and it's like visually quite uh, a, a nice looking movie in some ways because of that, but. It's not a it's not a story. <laughs> There's no, but like that's that conceit is pretty interesting. And then I don't know. I was trying to like these are just off kind of the top of my head. But uh, one that came to me was Brick, where you know you were like, okay, what if like a hard boiled detective story with like the elevated language even of such a story mm -hmm. in a high school, and then something like It Follows, where it's you know like okay, what if. Uh, a, a death uh, <laughs> curse of some kind could be mm -hmm. passed uh, like a venereal disease, basically. Um, and those are the two that I sort of thought of. I'd say, uh, I think the first one that popped into my head was, uh, and I don't know if I would say this is a central conceit, but it's something I liked in a movie. And that's uh, in the movie Elysium, the uh, the Neil Blomkamp movie. I love that, uh, I love that, like, Matt Damon and all those guys get the like things to like anchor a like a robo exoskeleton to their body and they can walk around and be extra tough. I think that's great. The rest of the movie's not very good, but I like that part. I'd like to see that in a better movie. <laughs> what was that one with Jude, um, Jude Law where a uh, repo man? There was one that had a pretty cool concept and yeah. not so great of a follow through. 
I certainly remember it not being a great follow through, although I don't remember anything about the movie at all. Is that the one where you get like designer organs and then Jude Law comes and cuts them out? Yeah, and then oh, if you don't right. pay, yeah, if you don't pay for them, they'll come. Well, that's take what them. we're like. Uh, did you guys mention in time already? Oh yeah, yeah. Where it's that's like a good one. you get a certain amount of time and you can transfer time as a currency and you can stay young forever. And that's another one where it's like, oh okay, there's something kind of there's that, that's an interesting way to like visualize in a in a concrete way income inequality and wealth inequality but then it just kind of turns into what like a like a robbery movie yeah or like a... you know what i thought had a really good concept that movie uh the adventures of tan 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 yeah well, what about it <laughs> <laughs> i think that was fresh in my head because some one of you gents reposted the uh animated uh version of that wonderful diatribe oh okay <laughs> and I love those animations of not just your show, but when uh, any shows that are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love those. Characters. I feel like that's. <laughs> who, are, who is the guy who does is, those? Uh, who does those? Uh, Tony Oker. I, I mean, that's his uh, nom du artist, I believe. I don't nom know if it's his real name, but uh, he's he's great. He's been the unofficial and now sort of the official uh, Flophouse animator for a long time. And this is, I guess, a good plug to go check out our YouTube channel where all those things live in addition to the live show we did uh, for charity. But <clears throat> anyway, moving on to the next segment of the show, which is recommendations. Stuart just put his hands back on with a big grin because he's thirsting to give a recommendation oh, of man, a movie I you should wait. watch instead of this. Um, but I will go first because I'm already talking. And this movie that I am going to recommend. Glad that is you teased one... both the audience and Yo, Sue. If this movie, yo, I'll tell you, if this podcast was a movie, I would say that's a great line. I will go first because I'm already talking. Uh, don't want to stop the momentum. Uh, so I watched a movie called Lucky Grandma. Uh, I saw it. It's available from Alamo on Demand, but I assume it's available elsewhere as well. I mean, it's a um, great title. Lucky Grandma, it is about a um, an elderly uh, Chinese woman in uh, Chinatown who uh, her, her husband has passed away. Uh, she has uh, children, but she's living alone rather than uh, going to live with them. And she gets news that uh, from a fortune teller that she's going to be very lucky. And she goes to the casino, wins a bunch of money. Things don't turn out so well eventually. She winds up taking some money that gets her in with some bad people. And uh, it's sort of like, it's got some flavors of like maybe a Cohen-y uh, crime movie, like a, a crime comedy. But it's also very distinctly <coughs> Chinese. And also like, uh, uh, Audrey is not uh, Chinese, she is Filipino, but she did confirm for me that this movie plays very much on sort of uh, a type of like a, uh, a, a a tough older Asian woman, uh, fiercely uh, independent, and I know that like from getting to know her family, I appreciated a lot more about this movie than I think I would have otherwise, which uh, led me to read um, you know reviews from uh, Chinese uh, Americans who also like confirmed for me that there's like a lot in this movie that is very like culturally specific as well that uh you may or may not catch up uh, catch on to but it makes it kind of a more special occurrence to see this uh type of story um and it was it was, it was just like a lot of fun 
That sounds good. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Stuart. I, oh, Scott. Yeah, go. Scott. Yeah, I'll get mine out. I'll do mine real quick. I, I'm a huge horror fan, as as I know a lot of people are, and mm. I watch a lot of stuff on uh, Shutter and Amazon Prime. Lately, I've been on a Korean kick, and I watched a, a period piece monster movie on Shutter called Monstrum from South Korea, and it is set in 1527, and it is basically uh, a lot like the host. Bong Joon-ho's masterpiece, mm-hmm. uh, combined with a, uh, a 14th century um, uh, political uh, backstabbings and dealings, and it's, it's got action, it's funny, it's got a great monster, and carnage galore. Monstrum. That sounds good. I gotta check go. that out. Yep. You'll like it. I am going to recommend a movie that has recently been added to the Netflix streaming platform. Uh, <laughs> I do... Tell me more of this platform. Yep. You drag the movie over into your player, and then you hit play, and it shows up in your eyeballs. Um, your mailbox. So I'm going to recommend a movie called Old Guard. Uh, yeah, Love it's it. great. It's a great action movie. I'm so glad one of you guys picked it, because I didn't want to pick the most obvious yeah. thing. So. I, uh, now, I do have to get out of the way that my buddy Alejandro, who is a friend of the show... Uh, is the editor on the uh, for the comic? He's the editor for the uh, for Greg Rucka, the writer of the comic and writer of the screenplay. Um, so I'm a little bit biased, uh, but I'm also a fan of the comic. I think it's great, and I feel like this uh, this adaptation really captures the spirit of the comic. It captures the spirit of the characters. It uh, it respects it. And at the same time, it is a badass, super fun action movie. Charlize is great. She is uh, one of the defining action stars currently uh, working today. And uh, yeah, it's a blast. It's probably like the the best like action movie I have seen, like Netflix original action movie I've seen. But I, I could be wrong. But it's a lot of fun. Check it out. The Old Guard or just Old Guard. Uh Uh, And I will finish out the recommendations. I wanted to recommend an independent film from 1996. Uh, It's currently, I saw it on the Canopy uh, streaming platform, which you may have access to through your local public library. Uh, And it's called The Watermelon Woman. And it was written, directed, and stars Cheryl, it's either Dunye or Dunny, or I could not find a... uh, how to pronounce her name online. I found several different ways to do it. But anyway, she plays a woman who works at a video store. She is black. She's also a lesbian. And she becomes obsessed with a background actress or a uh, supporting actress in movies from the 1930s and 40s who is credited as the watermelon woman in her movies. She wants to find out who was this woman, what was her name, what is her history. And in doing so, uh, kind of learns more about the community around her, learns more about people in the past who are dealing with some of the same issues of being being gay and being black then that she is now. And at the same time, she is kind of starting to date and maybe fall in love with a white woman that she has met. And their relationship has to deal with the friction that comes with them coming from two different places and having two different ways of thinking about things. But it's like, there's some really funny parts. And I found that it was like, of all the movies I've ever seen that show fake archival photos and archival footage, this by far does the best job of creating kind of fake photos and fake footage and things like that that looks like it was actually from the time it's supposed to look. And it's a very indie movie. There are times when you're watching it when you're like, oh yeah, this is what independent movies from the 1990s looked like. You know, it doesn't look like a 
slick, glossy movie, I'll warn you or entice you with the fact that there is a surprisingly graphic sex scene during the movie that I was not ready for. And I was Uh like, this is much more intense than I expected. You're like, get out uh, of the room, Mom! <laughs> I was, I was, I was Don't like, watch! I did, I, when I started watching this independent film about someone <laughs> investigating 1930s bit players, I didn't think this was going to be this inappropriate for you. But, uh, but by the end of the movie, which is done in kind of like a half-fake documentary, half-just-straightforward style, I found, like, the threads of it had just come together in this really fantastic way. And it was exciting to see a movie from 25 years ago that felt very, uh, oh, exciting and depressing. I see a movie from 25 years ago that's felt still very relevant to what's going on today. But uh, there's, and there's one scene in particular that deals with uh, disorganized archives that I thought was hilarious. So anyway, if you like archive humor, (laughs) then The Watermelon Woman is the movie for you. All right. I guess that is that for our regularly scheduled segments. But Elliot, I believe that you would like to say a few final words about the Max Fun Drive. I would love to. You're going to be hearing a little bit more of the Max Fun Drive in future episodes. Uh, we won't be done with it for a little bit, so I won't take too much of your time. I will just say ahead of time, I want to thank everybody who has become a Max Fun member in the past and supported this podcast. I want to thank everybody who is thinking about it or going to, everybody who's planning to upgrade their membership. It really means a lot to us because uh, it means that you are literally supporting us. This is the reason that we can keep making the time and putting the investment of energy and money and things like that into this show to make it what it is. Your support really means a lot to us. The fact that we've been doing this show for a long time, for over almost a decade and a half, and the show is a bunch of nonsense when you get down to it. Yeah. Uh, But that it means something to us, it means something to the people who listen to it, and it means something to you because you're willing to support it and give us, you know, the, the space and the the means to really make it happen. Uh, we make most of our money off of pledges. It's the vast majority, and this year even more so because we aren't touring. For obvious reasons, we're not selling merchandise on our tours because we're not touring. See the previous sentence. And so uh, your pledge dollars mean even more to us. If you were attaching love to the money, then that love is even greater this time. And as said earlier, we know this is a hard time for a lot of people. It's obviously a hard time, and there's a lot of great uh, things and... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Causes. Like, causes. Thank you. Yeah. Causes. There's a lot of great causes that I know are also clamoring for your money. We are not asking for you to choose between saving the world and paying us. We are saying just pay us. The world will take care of itself. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow. That did not go the way. It's <laughs> ending. Uh, no, no, go. He joker-fied uh, it. Also, also, obviously, look into your hearts. Look into your pockets and see what you are comfortable with but we really appreciate it if you're not able to this time we hope you consider it next time uh but you'll hear more from us and we just want to say thank you very much for making this something that we can continue to do for as long as we can and again that's maximumfund.org slash join uh whether you are joining or upgrading your membership or just curious about the possibilities uh if you're not doing that then the least you can do is help us spread the word about the Flophouse, huh? Tweet about us, Instagram about us, TikTok about us, Facebook about us. We uh, talked about uh, we talked about uh, YouTube a little bit ago. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a semi-active YouTube channel where we have our recent uh, virtual live show as well as a collection of uh, wonderful animated videos uh, put together by Tony Oker. We have our first ever actual promo that uh, Tony animated for us, and it's like an actual real, like, 
thing you can show people and be like, this is what the flop house is. And it only took us 13 years to get to the point where we were like, oh yeah, we should do that. <laughs> uh, so we would like to say thank you for helping us spread the word. Thanks for considering supporting us. Thank you to our editor, Jordan Cowling, for taking our uh, usual uh, ramblings and shortening them to only slightly longer than humans can tolerate. Uh-huh, yeah. And I want to say triple thanks to uh, our guest, Scott Weinberg. It was so much fun to have yeah. you on, dude. Thank you guys so much. I Again, I have been a fan of the show. I listen to a lot of podcasts, as Elliot mentioned. I do have my own show with my friend Stephen DeGenero called Science Versus Fiction, uh, where we are film lovers, uh, and Stephen is an astrophysicist, and we thought there's got to be a way to talk about real science and movies without being pedantic and obnoxious. So we're trying to do that and be fun. Um, and uh, But what I was saying was I've been a, a big podcast listener for a long time, and I think what I like most about your show is that it can be critical, but it's never mean. I don't like mean. Uh, even if a movie is bad, like Artemis Fowl, uh, most of the people involved in that movie tried to do good work, and a lot of them did. We just don't see it because the final product ain't so hot. Uh, and I really respect that you guys are funny and irreverent, but you're never kicking down on filmmakers. And I, as a film critic and a filmmaker, I truly respect that. And uh, so it just means a lot to me to, to be on the show for once. I really enjoyed it. And Thank I, you very much. Yeah, thanks, Scott. And I want to say that uh, one of the things that I really like about your show is that it's clear that you guys are, uh, in addition to being knowledgeable about film and science, you are also huge uh, fans that you clearly love the medium you're talking about. Oh, and that yeah. comes through. Yeah. And Thank that you. You love it. And that when you guys don't agree on something, you still, there's a respect there that means that you don't, rip each other apart for disagreeing yeah, unlike or this show where... i was gonna yeah. say we are mean but just to dan dan's the only yeah. one that we're mean to uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i also have an older show that is now de- deceased but it's still up and people seem to like it called 80s all over where my friend drew mcweeny and i covered the first half of the 1980s and it was a very maniacally busy crazy hectic show that it will not be coming back but i really do hope that people love the episodes that we did uh and um i just uh, I, I have two more podcasts coming out in the next year uh, and I just want to—I I just want to thank all the other podcasters out there, all the creators on Max Fun and otherwise who uh, inspire me to do good work. Well, we right did back it, at guys. you, right back at you. Oh yeah, and we did it. Yeah, yeah. We so, did it. Time look. to pat ourselves on the back. Uh, uh-huh. It's going to have to be distance. So Dan, can you pat yourself on the back like I would pat you on the back? Uh, how would you do it? I it's more just... of a rub. Less of a pat, more of a rub, right? Are you wearing, What are you wearing on your wrist? I put some weights on my wrist because uh, <laughs> we're in quarantine, guys. I, I don't. I want to. I want to have some exercise, but I want to do it in the laziest possible way. Yeah. No, I get it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that happened. Okay. Cool. So, what are we doing now? Are we gonna say goodbye? Now we say goodnight for the Flophouse. I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen, and thank you too. I'm Scott Weinberg. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Nice. Second one? Want to do it again, Dan? Let's do it again. On this episode, we discuss Artemis Fowl. The movie that dares to raise the question, what the fuck is going on in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Uh, Coming in hot. (laughs) Coming in very hot. (laughs) Hot. Ooh. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.